my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Tanner fans, Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. Well, today I am bringing you, in honor of September 21st, which marks World Alzheimer's Day, I've been wanting to cover this particular episode of Full House for a very long time, and I just couldn't think of... I mean, it could have definitely, you know, fit under the serious episodes category. It could have done that. But I'm like, you know what? I search. I'm like, I believe there's an Alzheimer's Day out there dedicated to, you know, honoring that, or, you know, just the awareness of the disease and everything. So, of course, the episode I'm talking about is from Season 5, Episode 7, entitled... The Volunteer. This episode aired October 29th, 1991. In this episode, DJ befriends an elderly gentleman when she volunteers at a nursing home. And honestly, I have to say the DVD case description is pretty much flat out exactly the same description. DJ strikes up a friendship with the elderly gentleman at the Golden Gate nursing home. In neither description does it say this is poor man suffers from the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. We actually don't learn that officially until Danny tells DJ. Spoiler alert. But if you're familiar with the signs of somebody who is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia you would probably already have been able to see the signs before Danny tells DJ and, and lets her know what's going on. So this episode has a 7.1 out of 10 based on 214 ratings. We have a couple guest stars. We have Bill Irwin, who this guy has made the rounds. He has made the rounds. If you're a fan of John Hughes movies, he was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He was Man on the Plane. In Home Alone, he was Man in Airport, who Kevin's mother was trying to get this man's wife to buy her earrings and a pocket translator and everything if she and her husband would give up their seats and fly home Friday so Kate could you know, Kevin's mom could take their place. This guy's also been in episodes of Growing Pains, uh, Everwood, just, he, this guy, you would know him if you saw him, because he literally, granted, he did pass away in 2010, but this man has been literally all over the place, and just about every single movie, TV show, he's had a role in. We also have Louisa... Abernathy playing nurse so she does just has a title she does not have an, a particular wait a minute I swear having seen this episode multiple times the character of Eddie Johnson is played by Whitman Mayo 
I swear he says nurse so-and-so trying to get her attention. We also have Taj Maori as Teddy returning with his dog Sparky, who I swear that is the same dog that was in Beethoven and Beethoven 2, same name Sparky, same dog. Okay, so Whitman Mayo. This is really the only thing I know him from. When I saw him pop up in different strokes, playing a con artist, I'm like, okay, that's not too far off from... Granted, yes, he is suffering... The character in the Philosophy episode is suffering from Alzheimer's, early signs of Alzheimer's. But he still manages to get the trickery on DJ. Whereas in different strokes, he takes it way too far. And I will cover that episode well down the road in different strokes. So, <clears throat> excuse me. This episode was directed by Joel Zwick. Writers Jeff Franklin, the creator, written by Mark Warren also, and Dennis Rinsler. Alright, do we have any... Ooh, that person didn't like that episode. Oh, we got some goofs, but no trivia. Surprisingly, no trivia. Usually, it seems like there is trivia with each episode, but I guess it just depends. Here's a goof. When Jesse and Becky start to discuss their bet, the amount of t-shirt covering the sympathy pad changes between shots without being adjusted. Continuity. Throughout the episode, Michelle's curls change between shots. Well, that's because the role is played by twin girls, and they're probably swapping them out when they need to. And there are no reviews, although I, I will be honest here. Yes, there is a review that is a, a user that I that leaves reviews that I have stopped quite a while ago reading their reviews because they said something very offensive in their in their review, I believe it was last fall, and I just decided then, like, I'm not, I'm just not going to read their reviews anymore. So, I mean, even if they change their name, it's like, I'm not doing that. So, before I, of course, get into the episode proper, I want to let you Tanner newbies that are just tuning into the podcast for the first time, welcome aboard the Tanner train, where I take you on the many adventures of the Tanners, and not only in Full House, but the Tanners slash Fullers, slash Gibblers in Fuller House. Also, the way to find the podcast on social media, it has a Facebook page and it has an Instagram page. On Facebook, just type in Full House Podcast, Fuller House Podcast. Although my Lanta Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. On Instagram, OMHC Full House, Fuller House Podcast. A couple of things that does set this podcast apart from other Full House and Fuller House podcasts out there. One, this is a clean podcast. It is family friendly. You can play it around your kids and not worry about F-bombs being dropped or any other bombs being dropped of any kind in the nature of explicit language or any explicit content. I do have one podcast that does have an explicit tag that is my looking back on my wonder years a wonder years podcast where i cover 
I covered all six seasons of The Wonder Years. I covered episodes of Different Strokes, Mr. Belvedere, Growing Pains, and currently I'm working on season two of Small Wonder. Also, some episodes of Everwood are on there. The best way, I'm going to be honest, the best way to listen to this podcast, as much as iTunes holds only so many episodes per podcast on their system, on their channel, whatever you want to call it, the best way I'm going to tell you is to go to SoundCloud and download the SoundCloud app. You can get every single episode I've ever covered on any show that I've done so far all the way back to the beginning. Also, another podcast that I cover that is a family-oriented, clean podcast is the Punky Power on Unofficial Punky Brewster Podcast. You'll find all four seasons of Punky Brewster that I've covered, all five seasons of Silver Spoons that I covered, and, of course, the, <laughs> the Full House Podcast is also on there as well, as well as the first five or six episodes of season one of Different Strokes. That podcast will be returning. Different Strokes to Move the World will be returning in January on occasion to do episodes. I'm not doing every single one. I decided I, I, I watched the entire series, eight seasons in 2019, and there are just some episodes I cannot rewatch because, ugh. So I went through the catalog of eight seasons. I picked an episode from each season, you know, a few times over, so there's plenty of stuff to dive into. January, I'm going to jump into Arnold's Girlfriend, episode season two, episode one, two-parter that deals with Arnold having a medical procedure done, and also him rooming with a young white girl, and her father happens to be racist and doesn't like the idea of Arnold, who is black, sharing a room with his daughter, even though it's a hospital room and they're children. Yeah. Another thing, like I said, that sets this podcast apart from other Full House and Fuller House podcasts is I do not go in order of air date or however you want to say it. I wanted to do something different. I decided to do a set of or a series of episodes based on either a character or based on a, a theme, a theme right now. I am currently, since it's September, I'm doing the Back to School series, which contains four episodes, two that will be dropped in September this month, and two that will be dropped in October. So, uh, Nerd for a Day, Season 3, Full House, releasing that tomorrow, Friday. Today is September 2nd. So, Nerd for a Day, usually the Full House podcast and Fuller House podcast episodes will always pretty much be uploaded on Fridays. So you can look forward to that. Okay, so after Nerd for a Day, we're going to have a pinch for a pinch. The rest of the other, I didn't, it was just fun, coincidental how this turned out. The other three episodes all happen to be in season four. We have Pinch for a Pinch that deals with Michelle and Jesse at her preschool. And then the next one is, Working Girl from Season 4, where DJ gets a job and she can't handle, she can't juggle homework and a job at the same time. I know. I'm sure it's hard. And Stephanie gets framed, where Stephanie finds out she needs 
glasses, mainly for reading. And we do get a beloved cameo from character Steve Urkel, flew all the way from Chicago to San Fran to stay with his cousin Julie. And then he's just been, like, bugging Julie and DJ. Which, here's a, a fun fact. If you've not seen Camp Cucamonga, I did cover that on the Looking Back at My Wonder Years podcast. Candace Cameron, Julia White, is Steve, you know, Steve Urkel from Family Matters, and the girl who plays Julie all were in that movie, along with a slew of other television child stars from the ABC shows. You have Dan F. McKellar and Josh Saviano from The Wonder Years. You have Chad Allen from Dr. Quinn Medicine, prior to, before Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and Brecken Meyer, and you just have a handful, uh, so many faces you're going to recognize. It seems like there are a lot of those movies. Another one, Crash Course was another one. Uh, Dance Till Dawn, that was another one that had a slew of child stars from ABC shows or, you know, NBC shows and so on and so forth. So, definitely. So, as far as September and October, that's what I'm going to be covering, along with Dave Coulier's birthdays coming up this month. I'm covering Joey's Place from Season 1. And, of course, the this episode, The Volunteer. And, of course, we have Elias Harder, who plays Max, in October is his birthday. So we're going to be covering, from Season 5, the last season of Fuller House, Basic Training, where Max ends up getting to skip a grade and jumps right into middle school, and he has trouble adjusting and fitting into school. His clean-cut... No nonsense image unfortunately doesn't really jive too well with the kids of today. Apparently, they make fun of him. He brings a briefcase and wears a suit. We all know that about Max. We love that about Max, but the his peers are not about that kind of stuff. So Max changes his image, tries to look like the kids that go to a school, and it just, uh, no one's fallen for that, that Max has done a complete 160, or 360, or th whatever you want to call it, like, no, something's going on with Max, and in that episode, we also learned just how DJ and Kimmy became friends, no, it's not just because they live next door to each other, no, they were actually placed together on a field trip, by their teachers, which I think, oh, that's interesting. So, okay. All right, so without further ado, let's jump into this episode with the cold open. Of course, real quick, if you want to have a say in the podcast, you want to get your voice heard on the podcast, you want to tell me about your top five favorite or least favorite characters or episodes, Send me an email to omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Look up the Oh My Land to Holy Chalupas podcast by typing in Full House or Fuller House. That The podcast will pop up. Click on it, scroll down to where it says leave a review, and just, you know, leave it. Have fun. Leave a review. 
use emojis. All five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. Okay, <laughs> we are done with all that. Let's jump into this cold open. At this time in season five, Becky, of course, is pregnant. And Jesse, yeah, they make a bet about... Because another argument, how are we going to decorate the room for the twins? Jesse, of course, wants to go Elvis. Okay, I was telling Jeremy when we watch an episode, I'm like, what if Jesse's kids ended up just really, like, literally hating Elvis? Because Jess, or, and the Beach Boys. Because Jesse just put that in there. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think I can only imagine where they just come to just be, no Elvis Presley, please. No, no Beach Boys either. My parent, my dad like played them constantly so much when I was growing up. I can't listen to them. <laughs> They're having an argument. Of course, Becky has something cute called Fun at the Circus with Circus and, you know, the animals and the clowns and so, so cute. Adorable, adorable. I think they compromise and Jesse gets, like, Elvis mobiles. But where would you even find those in the 90s? Like, those look like they would have to be custom-made by another Elvis-obsessed fan. <laughs> Maybe there's an Elvis shop somewhere in San Francisco. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, that's their deal. So, the bet is Jesse has to wear a sympathy pad which weighs like 20 or 30 pounds on his stomach for a full 24 hours. And if he does it, if he gets through the entire day, he gets that Elvis, the wallpaper, hung up in, in the twins' room. Uh-huh. Ugh. Now, if those twins had been a boy and a girl, you know Jesse like, Elvis and Priscilla. Ugh, no. But didn't he even say Elvis and Elvessa or something when DJ was like, why is it such a big deal with the, the coming up with names for the twins? Which, if they're twins, you and your spouse should each get to pick a name. I think it's only fair. You each took part in creating the children. You each should have a say. You each get to pick a name. They don't always have to match. They don't always have to start with the same letter. They don't always have to rhyme. To each their own. Okay, well, apparently there is no cold open. And not only that, there are no English subtitles. I turned them on and they're French subtitles. Well, I don't speak that. But anyway, I mean, you think, why do you need subtitles? You've seen these episodes a billion times over. I'm like, but the subtitles help me pick up things that I wouldn't normally pick up with my ears. Like a mutter or a cough or... I don't know, something. You never know with the subtitles on. They catch some stuff you normally wouldn't hear with your ears. So we're in the kitchen. Danny and Joey are emptying the recycle bin into a garbage bag. And Becky and Jesse missed breakfast. They slept in. Apparently, they're not sleeping too well, which I can imagine at this point in Becky's pregnancy, she probably isn't. And then she asked them, has any of you ever tried to sleep with a watermelon in your pajamas? And of course, are we really surprised that Joey says, yeah, once. And the way Danny's just looking at Joey, like he's, try he's almost trying not to laugh, but it's almost like he's looking at Joey like, can you like elaborate on that? 
You're not gonna? Okay. So, Jesse is like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, had a really rough night, too. And, of course, Becky's like, what are you talking about? You look so cute, like a little baby curled up with your blankie. And, of course, Joey latches onto this and says, you have a blankie? How adorable. And Jesse says, no, it's a, it's a blanket. Okay, it's Mr. Blanket. So, when Jesse says... It's not a blankie, it's a blanket. And Joey and Danny both look at Jesse like, come on, come on, Jess. And Jesse says, all right, all right, it's Mr. Blanket. <laughs> so Jesse turns to Becky and says, you know, Beck, I'm sorry you can't sleep. You know, I wish I, wish I could carry those twins for you. And Danny says, oh, gee, Jess, you're really going out on a limb there. Danny, did you ever tell that to Pam during the three times she was pregnant with your three children? Honey, I, I, I feel so bad. I'm sorry you're not sleeping and you're crying all the time. I would love to carry our child for you, if I could. Yeah, I don't think he ever offered once. Even if, it, you know, it can't, you know, physically happen. But just, yeah, like the support, like, you know, I, I, I could do that. I would do that for you because I love you so much. No, he never offered once. And here Dan, Jesse goes with, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I mean it. I would like to know what it means to be, what it feels like to be pregnant. I swear, I'm going to look that up right now. I'm sure there are some studies out there where, They've had men hooked up to machines so you can literally feel physically what it means to be pregnant as far as probably the cramping or even like feeling like what it means for a woman to go into labor or something like that. I swear I saw something on Facebook, take it with a grain of salt. I don't know, maybe I made that up. I, I, I'm sure, I swear it, I swear I saw that somewhere online. And if I see it with my eyeballs, that means it's true. Maybe. I don't know. Again, grain of salt. Is it grain of salt or grain of sand? I can't remember. I'm, it's one of them. Okay, here it is. At last, men can experience pain in childbirth thanks to a clever new labor simulator that's been developed. The Bristol-based company behind it who provides scans and Baby First Aid via their website now offer the enticingly titled Labor Pain Experience to couples and individuals who want to know how painful giving birth really is. So if you have no plans to have children, but you want to know what it feels like to, you know, sympathize with the pregnant mothers that are giving birth, maybe you have a family member and you're like, gosh, I really want to know what it feels like, what you're going through, there you go. Um... Is there a website? I mean, I don't I don't want to do this myself. It says goodto.com family slash men. Wait, this is an article. <clears throat> oh, you can watch these labor simulators. Make men simulate. Labor simulator makes men experience childbirth. Wow. When did it go? Okay. Men can now pay to, oh, they have to pay to, well, I'm sure they have to pay, it's not free. I mean, unless they're doing a study on it, which that's probably already been done before they even 
did this whole simulator thing to see if it can actually work before, you know, you have to pay for the experience of, you know, fall, fake childbirth, you know, for men. I, get, I, get, I wonder how much it costs. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. No. No. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the episode. And I love how Becky says, good, I'll arrange it. Away, Becky, how, okay, she is pretty far along. I mean, we can't see under that maternity top. I mean, she's wearing jeans, but for all we know, those could be the elastic waist jeans, I would imagine. We don't know. But she's wearing, like, stylish boots. And I'm just thinking, okay, wouldn't, at this, let's just throw it out there. She's at the halfway point of her pregnancy, okay? Let's just throw that out there this time stamp there would you be wearing any type of boot shoe things with a heel on them wouldn't your feet be swollen or even maybe retaining water at that point i don't know i don't know but i can't imagine that you would want something like that on your feet you would probably be wearing like slip something soft and easy to take on and off like slippers or something or sandals you know the flip-flops and stuff like that you want your feet to be able to breathe especially if they're expanding due to you know being pregnant and you know water retention i don't know I, I'm not, I'm not a medical expert. You all know that I'm not a medical expert. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, the ladies are, woo, yeah! Well, you showed him. Showed what? I mean, he volunteered, and she said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. So Jesse stands up, and he's, <laughs> I'm sure when he said that, he just thought back, he's like, oh, honey, thank you for offering, even though. But now that she's like, great, I'll arrange it. And she walks out to the door to applause from the audience, the women in the audience. And Jesse stands up and says, what does she mean by good? I'll arrange it. And, <laughs> and then Joey says, I don't know, but science definitely is doing some pretty amazing things nowadays. Medical science is doing some pretty... Could this even have this whole experience child labor for men could this have already been being developed at this point in time in the 90s i'm curious now i don't know maybe maybe it was still in the early stages i don't know maybe joey's on to something jesse runs after becky hey becky wait up Gee, Jess, you're really going out on a limb there. Like you ever offered for Pam. I would like to know how it feels to be pregnant. <laughs> Good. 
I'll arrange it. Yeah, when should her ankles be swelling in those boot shoes? What does she mean by good? I'll arrange it. I don't know, but medical science is doing some pretty darn amazing things nowadays. Maybe. Becky, wait up! So DJ comes down the stairs and reminds Danny, Hey, Dad, don't forget, I'm going to be late coming home because after school I'm going to the... She's going to the nursing home to meet Eddie Johnson, her adopted grandparent. So this, I mean, this doesn't sound like it's something that's a class assignment. It sounds like some form of community service. I thought there was... Particularly for high school students, there's a certain amount of hours of community service that they have to get in before they can graduate or something. I didn't have to do it myself. I graduated in 2001, but it seems like after that, they made servicing the community or community service a requirement. Is Which, I mean, it's good. It gets a person out there. It gets them giving back. And all that good stuff. So Danny tells DJ how proud he is of her, you know, volunteering her t her time each week to spend with a senior citizen. And DJ's a little worried about the. F it's not like I'm worried that what if he doesn't like me. It's like, what are we gonna talk about? Cause there's this giant generation gap. Oh, okay. I wanna do the math here. Let me. Where did I put my phone? Here it is. Let's do the math on this. I want to find out when this movie, this movie, excuse me, find out when this aired. Actually, she showed me on the DVD box. 91, and he's 75? All right. Let's see here. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Here's my calculator. So, 1991 minus 75. He was born in 1916, so 1929, you know, that's when, uh, so he was 13 when Wall Street crashed in 1929, and then, of course, the Depression hit in the 30s, so he was a teenager going through all of that. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, she says, what are we going to talk about? He's 75 years old. And Joey says, well, you talk to him about his life. Oh, Joey says he's been through the Great Depression, two world wars, five stooges. Okay. And Joey says, ask him how he felt when Curly used that eye gouge deflector. And then he and Danny <laughs> proceed to reenact that. Who's to say that Eddie even liked? The Three Stooges. We don't know. We don't know. And DJ just rolls her eyes at this and says, Thanks, you've been a great help. And Danny says, Oh, DJ, don't worry about it. Eddie's going to like you a lot. You're a terrific girl. Danny says, You're doing a great thing. And you make me realize there's a lot of hope for the younger generation. And when he says younger generation, he's speaking like kids in early 90s. I was nine when this episode came out. So, yeah. Oh, and of course, here comes Kimmy bursting in the back door. Like, hey, Deej, guess how many corn dogs they can fit in my mouth? Now, these are clearly full-size corn dogs. They're not like the corn dog minis that you pop into your mouth. She says six. 
eight if I remove the sticks. I would hope you are removing the sticks from the corn dogs before you pop them, put them in your mouth. Which for corn dogs, what's your favorite dipping? So I like mustard. I like dipping them in like mustard, a honey mustard, something like that. And of course, Danny says, you know, then again, I think hope might be a bit of a strong word. Oh, so this is the beginning. Oh, the, the, of the day. See, this is the thing. They have so much time before the day of school begins. Doesn't school normally in high school? I mean, when I went to high school, it started at like, I thought it was like, 7.35, or I think it was like quarter to eight, or something like that, but I didn't have a, a ton of time to be sitting there having long, lengthy conversations. Granted, when I wake up in the morning, it's like <laughs> my dad had already gone to work like an hour and a half prior to that, so I are having conversation, and so it was either with myself or the TV, <laughs> or whatever, you know, cat I had that was you know, that I owned at the time, or, you know, the dog, or something like that. I literally, I, my alarm would get up, go off at 6.20 in the morning, my bus would come at 6.55, that gave me 35 minutes to dress and eat and wait by the door to watch for the bus coming up the road. Yeah. Becky, wait up! Hey, Dad, don't forget I'm going to be home late after school today. I'm going to meet Eddie Johnson, my adopted grandparent at the nursing home. I am really proud of you, Deej. Volunteering to spend some of your free time every week visiting a senior citizen. It's great. Well, I'm kind of nervous about meeting Eddie. I mean, what am I going to talk to him about? He's 75 years old. Well, you talk to him about his life. He's been through the Great Depression, two world wars, five stooges. <laughs> Ask him how he felt the first time he saw Curly use that eye gouge deflector. Yeah! Thanks, you've been a big help. <laughs> oh, come on, Deez. Eddie's gonna like you a lot. You're a terrific girl, and you're doing a wonderful thing. You make me realize that there's a lot of hope for the younger generation. Hey, Deej, guess how many corn dogs I can fit in my mouth? Six. Eat if I remove the sticks. Yikes. Then again, hope might be too strong a word. Well, don't face that on Kimmy. Get just Kimmy. Okay, seriously, how much time do they have in the morning before school starts? Because DJ and Kimmy come out, and Stephanie is teaching a trick to Comet, and Michelle is going to be the thing that, the object that Comet jumps over. Sit. My good, do they wake up at like 6 a.m. and then they get on the bus at like 7.30, so they have an hour and a half of time to, you know, they clearly aren't eating breakfast, and they just have all this time to do all the stuff before school. It's just, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. So, Stephanie starts to count down, like, you ready, boy? Okay, one, two, and then, of course, Michelle jumps up and says, hold it. Why doesn't Comet jump over you? Mind you, Michelle is four years old at this point. And she does bring up a good, you know, question. I mean, honestly, this for a trick, it just it feels kind of low, not low brow, maybe like 
low-key, not creative. He's just jumping over an object or a small person or, or however. And I'm just like, you couldn't have taught. I mean, he's a golden retriever. I mean, any dog, you could teach him. He could, like, walk out. I think that's one of the, yeah, because that is another plot to this episode is there's a dog trick talent competition in the backyard later. And I, I'm sure one of these dogs is going to be up on their hind legs and walking on two legs like a human being. That can't, I mean, I thought that was cool when my dog would do that. Well, I don't think she'd just outright just walk on her hind legs. It's more like, hey, you, you know, you're patting your, your shoulders like, hey, put your, put your paws up on my shoulders. Like, hop up, come on. And I would think that was cool. Like, oh, look, we're dancing. I'm dancing with my dog or something like that. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so Stephanie says, because I'm the trainer and you're the thing, he jumps over. And that satisfies Michelle and she gets back into position. Mind you, DJ and Kimmy are watching this. So... Stephanie goes on the other side of Michelle and says, all right, ready, comment, one, two, three, jump. And he goes and he puts his head just over Michelle's back and just stands there. And Michelle looks at Stephanie like, uh, is this it? Isn't he supposed to, like, jump over me? <laughs> like, I got down on the ground for this? I mean, my gosh, I may be four, but I got other things to do, like, uh, school? Stephanie and Michelle must start school at, like, nine-something in the morning, and I, I don't know, because they, like, they have so much time, and school must be just so close to where they live that they can just walk to school. And, of course, Kimmy says, oh, if you want to see tricks, you should see my dog, Coco. And Kimmy... Kimmy's saying this, like, <laughs> DJ looks at Kimmy and says, she, and she rolls her eyes when she says this, drinking out of the toilet is not a trick. And Kimmy says, it is when she does it through a straw. Ew! I just, I mean, I get it, dogs like fresh water and whatnot. I, I mean, I can't fault them for that. But toilets have got to be, bathrooms in general have got to be the most disgusting places in a house a hundred percent i mean you might be flushing the toilet and fresh water coming up but what's the condition of the toilet bowl are you scrubbing it out each week you're putting your stuff in there it's just it's nasty it's just it's gross that's why keep your toilet lids down and your dog ain't gonna drink from it and get sick so, Kimmy says, Coco's the smartest dog on the block. And this is where Stephanie comes in with, hey, why don't you, we invite all the dogs on the block and we will have them perform their best trick. And see, then we'll see who's the smartest dog on the block. And Kimmy says, you're on. I know Coco is smarter than Comet. And I love Stephanie. She says, you're not even smarter than Comet. How many times has this come up? Remember when Kimmy was, I, I thought I covered this, I think I did cover this episode, where Kimmy and DJ switch places where Kimmy stay 
Yeah, the Tanners and DJs staying with the Gibblers. That would have been cool to see, though. That really would have, I would have loved to have seen Kimmy Gibbler's house and her parents and everything. And, of course, Stephanie says, Kimmy, if you want a donut, you walk your little bird legs down the kitchen and get it yourself. Go, I'll time you. And go, 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 you're losing time. Kimmy runs out the door <laughs> down to the kitchen. And then Stephanie turns to Comet and says, Comet, there goes one human you're smarter than. <laughs> okay, I, I honestly feel right now, even though this is the beginning of the episode, it could, this could change. I think Stephanie's going to get the worst outfit of the episode award so far. She's wearing this, it's almost kind of like, it's like a yellow on one side and kind of pinkish and fuchsia with flowers, faded flowers. And it just, I don't like it. It just, I'm going to use the word I tend to use when I just don't like how something looks. I'm going to call it gaudy. G-A-W-D-Y. Just not good. Not good at all. I love that. <laughs> Stephanie says, Kimmy, you're not even smarter than Common. I love I love their back and forth insults. You want to know what's even fun? We and we really don't get too much of it. Michelle and Gia. But they they honestly cannot top the insults that Kimmy and Stephanie throw at each other. Over the course of eight years. And then, you know, five years of Fuller House. Well, I mean, she backs off eventually in Fuller House when, you know, Kimmy decides to be the surrogate for Stephanie and Jimmy. It's like, well, I can't tease you anymore because you're going to be carrying my, you know, child. So. I love how Kimmy just glares at Stephanie after that comment. nursing home it's this building it says golden gate nursing home it's like the font is like a light blue color and it's just the basicest looking font ever so we go inside the nursing home we see eddie he is this is it a shuffleboard table or a blackjack table it, it looks like one of those poker tables that's got like little you know, cup holders, and it's, like, shaped like an octagon, like a stop sign, and we see an older gentleman, you know, they're all elderly, <laughs> he's feeding the fish, and Eddie and, um, Bill Irwin's character 
are playing... Why is it always when they're playing a card game on a sitcom, it is always gin? I've never played it. Don't want to learn how to play it. But it's like literally every, every single sitcom. Hey, you want to play gin? Hey, you know how to play gin? Let me teach you how to play gin. Like, no. Why can't they play it? Well, I don't know. Like Blackjack or 21 or Euchre or something. My family is really big in the Euchre. I think my grandma may have, or my dad even may have tried to teach me, and I just, I couldn't. I couldn't latch on to it. There, I think that's a big thing in Michigan, too, is Euchre tournaments. Well, apparently, Eddie is a whiz at gin because he sets his cards down and says, that's $24,000 you owe me. So he is beating the pants off Bill Irwin's character. Hopefully we get a name for this guy because, oh, Mr. Ferguson. That, yeah, I remember from the episode because that's what he says to lawyers. Mr. Ferguson over there is trying to sneak a candy bar. I think he can't have him because he's diabetic or something. And Bill, uh, Mr. Ferguson says, just put it on my account. And Eddie says, on account, you have no money. So the nurse brings over DJ and says, Eddie, you have a visitor here. So I'm just kind of curious, how did DJ get paired with Eddie? Because um, you don't, I don't see any other students coming in volunteering. My guess is at school, there's probably a list of community service things like go to a nursing home, work at an animal, working at an animal shelter. I can see TJ on her because she can be, becomes a vet later on. Definitely working at an animal shelter. Um, what other types of community service? I know there's a lot of communities helping out at a food kitchen, stuff like that. Going to the library and reading to children, or even going to a nursing home and reading to the elderly. But I'm sure there had to have been, like, these are the choices of community service that we worked out with these places that students can go to and help out. I'm sure they probably told the residents, like, oh, we do have some high schoolers coming in to spend time with you. If you want to do this, just check this box. If you don't want to do this, just, you know, select no, and then we won't pair you with somebody. So DJ introduces herself, says, hi, I'm DJ Tanner. I'm part of the Adopt-A-Grandparent program, which we know that DJ's on, like, the student council, and isn't she? I think she is. This sounds like a program she definitely would have set up for the school. DJ's always doing fundraisers and stuff like that. So, and that's good. I mean, she's very involved with her school from writing on the school paper to, you know, setting up fundraisers, all that stuff. So she says, I'm here to visit you. And he, and I love how he like lifts uh, the cuff of his sweater to look at his watch. Well, I, I got some time before Love Connection starts. Go have a seat. Start visiting. So DJ sits where Mr. Ferguson was sitting, and I love how she kind of, like, just sits, you know, with her fingers steepled. Like, just, she's nervous. It's like, she doesn't know, like, how do I, you know, an icebreaker and stuff like that. So I think she starts out with, so, uh, how was the Great Depression? And he looks at her and just point blank and says, just monotone, just, 
how does it sound? And she says, depressing? And he says, good answer. And the thing is, like I said, I did the math. He was 13 in 1929. So he could firsthand say, yeah, you know, I was just a little older than you when the depression hit and everything like that and talk about his experience. I love at first how they just kind of smile at each other like, <laughs> like who's going to start, you know, kick this conversation off? Before she even brings up how was <laughs> the Great Depression, she's like, so, Eddie, <laughs> I love how he smiles and he says, so, DJ, <laughs> like, like, I'm not going to be the, you're here, you're here visiting me, I'm not going to kick this conversation off, I think you need to start. <laughs> and she says, what was the Great Depression like? And he says, how does it sound? Uh, depressing? Yeah, he says, he laughs, he says, good answer. And she smiles, and that's where we get the first mention of his daughter, Gloria. It's like, you know, you smile just like my little girl, Gloria. And then he mentions how, you know, she's grown up now and living in Florida. He says, I haven't seen her since. Okay, let's talk about Gloria, and I'm not going to bash Gloria's choices for putting her father in an assisted living center and then you know, moving out with her life to Florida. So if he is 75, let's say he had his daughter in his 20s, she would probably have to be somewhere in her 50s. So, and, and in the 90s, it seemed like 50-something was retirement age. So she herself, <clears throat> excuse me, probably retired to Florida, took, and I honestly feel that she is his only child because she is the one that ex accepted that responsibility to, you know, take care of her father. Like, okay, you're good. You, if you need anything, Dad, I'm on the first flight back. Just, just have them ring me if you need anything. If you need money put in your account, I'll take care of it. All that stuff. Okay, hold on a second. When he says... My daughter moved down to Florida. I haven't seen her since. There is something in the expression in his face. It almost felt like for a split second he was starting to slowly drift when he mentions his daughter. And then something clicks in him where he thinks, okay, this could be an opportunity for me to get out of here. Think about it. Because we find out later, because DJ doesn't know, that Eddie, in order for him to leave that place to go out on an outing or any of that, he has to be signed out by most likely his daughter, a guardian or somebody. And she lives in Florida. So what are they going to, and my guess is what? She probably has to physically be there to say that he can go with somebody that is probably not on the list. Like, you have to be approved, an approved visitor to be able to go. And not to mention, she is, like, what, 14 years old? Working, something like that. Yeah, she does not have the legal right to take him up. But then again, she doesn't, she even asks him, because he's like, what are we doing here? We're supposed to be having fun. 
Okay, hold on. I am jumping so far ahead. No, he asked her, because clearly the conversation has gotten stale. Like, you know how to play bumper pool? And she says no. When she says no, he says, me neither. Grab yourself a cue over there. He has got <laughs> a padded case with his own personal bumper pool cue stick or whatever you want to call it. And she looks at him in surprise, and he says, we'll learn together. But anyway, yeah, I mean, and I'll, go, I'll get back to it in a second once we get to that point. Okay, old Timo, what's the name of this game? Yeah. That's the name. That's $24,000 you owe me. Good grief. Just put it on account. Yeah, on account of you got no money. <laughs> You have a visitor. Hi, Mr. Johnson. I'm DJ Tanner from the Adopted Grandparent Program. I'm here to visit you. Well, let's see. Yeah, well, I got a little time before love connection starts. <laughs> so go ahead. Start visiting. <laughs> so, Eddie. So, DJ. <laughs> How does it sound? Depressing? Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, you smile just like my little girl, Gloria. Really? Yeah, she's all grown up now, living in Florida. I haven't seen her since. Hey, wait a minute. What are we doing here? We're supposed to be having fun. You know how to play bumper pool? No. Me neither. Grab yourself a cue over there. Because <laughs> he's we'll been... Learn yeah. Yeah, he's an expert. He's gonna... Yeah. So, okay, now we're back in the kitchen. Stephanie is demonstrating Comet's trick for Joey. And Stephanie says, All right, Comet, you know what to do? And he barks. And then Stephanie turns to Michelle and says, okay, Michelle, do you know what to do? She looks up at Stephanie, rolls her eyes, and says, duh. Like, I'm just here. Just being a solid object. <laughs> so she says, all right, Comet, you ready to jump? Because she's on the other side of Michelle. And Comet jumps, and then the audience applauses because he did such a wonderful job. Just sailed right over Michelle. So I don't know if Joey here is trying to do an impression of Astro the dog from the Jetsons. I can't do that. So Stephanie pats Comet on the head and says, good boy, Comet, here's your treat. And then she <laughs> pats Michelle on the head and says, good girl, Michelle, here's your treat. Michelle looks at it, says, hey, this is a liver snap. And Stephanie says, well, I'm sorry, Michelle, I gave Comet your cookie. Michelle stands up and says, what a ripoff! So great, so Comet gets two treats, Michelle's cookie and his liver snap. He actually was going to put it in her mouth because she assumed it was a cookie. Because it almost looks like a cookie. But then she stops and looks at it. Hey, this is a liver snap. Ew. If that cookie had chocolate chips, you just gave your dog a death wish, Steph.
you remember what to do? <laughs> Shell, do you remember what to do? Duh. <laughs> Oh, he sailed right over Michelle. What was his er problem earlier? Good dog, Comet. Here's your treat. Good girl, Michelle. Here's your treat. Hey, this is a liver snap. Sorry, I gave Comet your cookie. You better not have had a what chocolate a chip so after Stephanie, Michelle, and Comet all zip into the living room, you hear Becky say, come on, come down here. She's at the stairs in the kitchen. And, of course, she did get the childbirth or sympathy coach, sympathy pad, excuse me, but I can't talk. A sympathy pad so Jesse could experience what it's like to be pregnant. You know, without the whole simulation, because that kind of thing hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. And of course, Jesse's embarrassed to come downstairs, because he knows Joey's going to probably laugh at him. The audience goes cray-cray when Jesse comes down there. He's wearing a light blue shirt that says bun in the oven in basic bold black lettering. <laughs> Oh my goodness. He is rocking that sympathy pad. I love how the audience is woo and they're clapping and applauding him. And Joey, oh, he wastes no time busting a gut laughing like this is the funniest thing he's ever seen. Even. <laughs> Joey is literally laughing so hard because he's at the end of the kitchen counter sitting in a chair. He's laughing so hard. His head is down on the kitchen counter and he is just like, <laughs> the kitchen counter because this is just hilarious. Even Becky's chuckling at the sight of Jesse looking like he's pregnant. <laughs> Joey's like, <laughs> and Jesse looks at him and says, are you done? And Joey says, not yet! <laughs> oh, my. oh my gosh, this is good stuff. Oh, this is good stuff. Jesse glares at Joey and points a finger like, okay, you need to stop. And Joey says, okay, I'm all done now. I'm good. <laughs> okay, no, I'm but then Joey gets up and goes out of the kitchen laughing the whole time. And Jesse wants to, of course, kick him in the butt. But he can't because he's wearing a sympathy pad. And he just feels when he lifts his leg up, it's like his back. Oh! <laughs> Jesse immediately, because he tries to kick just, Je Jesse tries to kick Joey in the butt while wearing a sympathy pad. And when he does, it's like, ah! And he's like putting both his hands on his back like he pulled a muscle. And... He turns around and says, I'm not wearing this thing. This must weigh, like, 25 pounds. And Becky's like, wait a minute, so does this thing. And she's pointing to her stomach where she's carrying twin boys. Like, Becky can't just say, well, I don't want to carry this thing, you know, our unborn children. No, she can't. She can't. <laughs> My gosh. And it, Becky says, well, so does this thing. I 
went through a lot of trouble to get that sympathy pad from my childbirth coach, and you are going to wear it. What did, exactly trouble did you have to sign, like, a bunch of release forms or something? So if Jesse injures himself or strains a muscle in his back or whatever while he's wearing it, that the childbirth coach isn't li- they're not liable if Jesse somehow injures himself while wearing it? Like, a bunch of release forms? That says you can't sue us if he gets injured. (laughs) I don't know what exact trouble she had to go, like how many hoops she had to jump through to get this, to make this happen. Becky even says, if you really wanted to know what I was going through, you would wear it for more than five minutes. Hence, this is where the bet is going to come in. But, oh, 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 here she goes. Unless you're not, of course, if you're not man enough, to wear it. And Jesse says, I'm as man enough as you are. And then he's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but yeah, she says, of course, if you're not man enough to be pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the audience, the ladies go, <laughs> And I love how Jesse scoffs like, <laughs> He says, I'm as much man as you are. And then he stops and is like, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, sometimes when you say something stupid and it just, or something that doesn't come out the right way and you're just, (sighs) and you can't take it back. So, yes, Becky goes over and grabs this bag from some shopping place in the mall, probably a baby place, she says, fine, well, I'll make you a little bet. Since we've been arguing over what to wallpaper the nursery, she says, I bet you, you can't last one day in that pad. She says, and if I win, I get to put up my choice fun at the circus, which is what ends up going up in the boys' nursery anyway. And it's adorable. It's got a little elephant and a giraffe with a teddy bear on its back. It's the cutest thing. If I were having a kid, a baby, that would definitely be a pick. I probably would go with something with adorable kittens or something like that. Or something book-related because I'm a bookworm. Yeah, he says, (laughs) and if I win, we'll put up my choice, Elvis, the wallpaper. And it's just a bunch of different little wallet-sized pictures, a collage, if you will, of Elvis poses and pictures singing and all that stuff. Okay, so actually, I looked it up. Let me go back real quick. I want to double check something. I believe what Jesse is holding is actually from 1987. It says, this is on eBay, Elvis wrapping paper, vintage rock wraps. Or vintage, it's called Rock Wraps, Elvis Presley, 1987. So if you want it, you can go on eBay, type in Elvis wrapping paper, gift wrap. It will come up with rock wrap, rock wraps, all occasional gift wrap made in USA. It's $11, still in the packaging. I think it's like four something for shipping and whatnot, but I mean, I wouldn't pay for it because I'm, I'm not to, but this, 
literally looks exactly like what Jesse is holding up, just about. So, after Jesse puts the Elvis wallpaper back in, it's like a sample, he puts it back in the bag that Becky's holding, and she says, you know, Jess, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And she turns around and just like a woman starts walking away, <laughs> and Jesse tries to mimic that, but and Becky like turns around and rubs her stomach. <laughs> Both Becky and Jesse are wearing jeans and boots, like boot shoes, like whatever you want to call them. And I'm like, how is Becky wearing like dress boots? Wouldn't her feet be swollen from retaining water and being pregnant? Isn't that one of the signs? Like I said, if that were me, I'd be wearing, like, I'm not a fan of flip-flops. Crocs, yes. But that, or, or slippers. Something where your feet can, if they need to expand due to, you know, being swollen due to being pregnant, they can do that and not feel confined or trapped inside a, a enclosed shoe or boot. Any of you, honestly, that have been, you know, pregnant before and have developed swollen feet due to being pregnant, message me at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. I want to know, at some point, do you switch to flip-flops or a more comfortable shoe due to your feet being, you know, swelling due to being pregnant? I'm just, I'm just curious. I really would like to know that. Come on. Come on. You said you wanted to know what it was like to be pregnant. Now get down here. <laughs> So we go back to the nursing home with Eddie and DJ playing Bumper Pool. I've never played it before. We don't even really get to see them playing it. it. They're more like finishing up when we go back into the scene. Oh, 
We do get to see DJ make the winning shot of three games. So she, either he let her win or he's just not really good at the game. And she caught on quickly. This is DJ. She she really does. She can catch on quick to anything. Oh, again with these money bets. He's like, okay, so that's $24,000 that I owe you. And he points at Mr. Ferguson and says, get it from him. <laughs> and Mr. Ferguson just kind of waves his arm. Ah! And then he just like runs off. Like, I don't think DJ's going to come after you for the $24,000. So this looks like it's going to be a once a week, once a week volunteer situation. So she says, well, Eddie, this was fun. I have to get home. My little sisters are having a dog competition, and I promised them I'd be one of the judges. So Eddie latches on to the fact that DJ's going to a dog show. She's like, oh, what I wouldn't give to see a dog show. I mean, a man that loves dogs as, as much as me, that would just make my day. Okay, um, I'm kind of curious. Now, does Eddie really, I mean, who doesn't love dogs, right? Part of me thinks he's latching on to this in the hopes that this is my ticket to get out of here. Because, again, I say, he, in order to leave that facility, he has to have, be signed out by a, by a parent. No, <laughs> he's 75 years old. No. Um, he has to be signed out probably by his daughter, who is living in Florida, and if you got to physically be there to sign him out, he is not going anywhere unless it's a day where they take them to the grocery store or something like that. So, and that, that is sad. That honestly breaks my heart. Have you... I, went to a nursing home and you just, you walk past the rooms, the doors are, my mom was staying in an adult care facility. And at one point, I think even kind of an assisted living center. And my heart broke for her because mind you, she, she had lupus and everything. And that kind of rendered her physically and mentally incapable of taking care of herself. And just thinking, like, that, that that's just, you're just there. You're just, unless someone's coming to visit you, unless someone's coming to take you someplace, you're pretty much just sitting in your room or maybe doing an activity that the center has put on for everybody. But, yeah, you just, you walk in there and you walk past the rooms and it's just... People are sitting there watching TV, and it's just, it breaks my heart. That is like, they, they can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere unless somebody takes them. And it's almost like, I don't even, I mean, whether to liken it towards when you're a kid and, yeah, everyone's, you, you know, or someplace someone has to take you. But this is different. This is people that have lived a life. And they, for the, and Eddie even says that. Well, because when DJ says, don't you need uh, permission to get, you know, leave? And he says, I can do whatever I want. And then he mentions about, you know, how he had been married for like 43 years. And she says, would you, she asks, would you like to go to the dog show? And Eddie says, I love how he's so bad. She was like, well, if, 
if you insist. So yeah, DJ asked a good question. Do you need permission to leave? He's like, yeah, right. You really think I need permission to walk in and out of this door? I've done everything, whatever I want from my entire life. Well, except for those 43 years I was married. <laughs> oh, 41 years, not 43. So DJ doesn't question it. She takes Eddie at his word. She's like, all right, let's go. The nurse passes by, sits down at a t uh, looks like at her desk. And Eddie's like, oh, here, let me tell my friend I'm stepping out for a second. So, yeah, he goes over to Mr. Ferguson, and I love how he's, like, he's gloating. He's like, I'm getting out of here, you old goat. I'm going to see your dog show. And Mr. Ferguson brings on something we didn't know about Eddie. As he says, that little girl's not allowed to take you out of here. What if you have one of your spells while you're out there? And Eddie's like, I'm not going to have one of my spells. It's going to be fine. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Guys, Eddie cooked this up. He had a candy bar in his pocket. And he gives it to Mr. Ferguson. And Mr. Ferguson says, but I'm not allowed to eat candy. And Eddie says, I know that. Just hold on to it. Eddie cooked this up. He 100% cooked this up. As soon as, D I mean, he probably would have used any excuse if DJ said, well, I'm going, well, she, of course she's got to go home. It's like, oh, I'm going to the store or I'm going to blah, blah, blah. He probably would have done anything to take long to get out of there because, I don't know, if you were Eddie, wouldn't you want to do anything you possibly could to get out of that place? I mean, I'm not knocking every single nursing home and assisted living facility out there, but there are not many good ones out there, from what I heard. Not many at all. I can understand that maybe that's why people do whatever they can for when they get older so they don't have to wind up going to one of those places. And think about it, as an adult child who has a parent who physically cannot take or mentally can't take care of themselves, and you yourself probably can't take care of your parent because you probably have a job, you probably have kids, and you just, your parent probably needs more, you know, medically than you can provide. You have no, you have to make that decision for them, which it's, it's, it's just, it's sad. And that's probably what, you know, his daughter did. She's like, she probably left for Florida. I bet she probably even went off to college that way. Or maybe she more than likely <clears throat> went to college in California, got married, her husband, her spouse maybe, or she got a job offer probably in Florida. Or the thing is, being, if he's 73, let's say he had his daughter when he was like in his 20s, his daughter's probably in her 50s, and she decided to re- Oops, sorry. Um, his daughter probably decided to retire. And being, I'm sure Eddie's, maybe she either just passed away and he just couldn't take, you know, early onset dementia, which we learn later. I mean, Alzheimer's, I'm sorry. 
And maybe she's like, well, I can't take you with me to Florida. <clears throat> For all we know, <clears throat> Eddie's daughter probably has her own. She could have her own health problems. And, and she's got to take care of herself, but she can't. Yeah, who knows? Who, not, who knows? But, yeah, I honestly feel like Eddie... I mean, he had to have known that DJ, you know, letting him know ahead of time, like, you have a visitor coming today from, you know, Bayview High School. And then he probably, like, okay, this could be my ticket. I mean, he planned that. The whole, I bet anything he did. So. <clears throat> oh, yeah, he uses Mr. Ferguson basically as a scapegoat. He goes over to the nurse and says... Nurse, so we don't get a last name. Nurse, Ferguson is trying to sneak a candy bar. Go over there and nab him. And she goes over like, Mr. Ferguson. And you just see Mr. Ferguson shaking his head like, I did not. I This is not mine. No part in this. And he, I bet anything he probably would have mentioned. Because as soon as her back is turned, the nurse's back is turned, Eddie... And DJ, zip on out of there. He takes DJ, DJ's arm and says, shall we? <laughs> and DJ says, I'd be delighted. I mean, I know DJ's like 14, 15 years old. And yes, she still thinks with a teenager's brain. But there had, would you would think, some level of, I think I better check with the nurse. I real, I mean, the fact that she thinks that, this is one of those types of places where you can just check yourself in and out if you want to. If you are living somewhere and you, I mean, there is like a senior living center where you can come in, you're like able to live on your own with no assistance of any kind. That's, that's like a senior retirement center where you come and go and everything. Um... <clears throat> An assisted center, I think, is something where you don't have use of your faculties as much as you used to, and you need around-the-clock care. I think you let... Oh. Okay, so that's $24,000 I owe you. Get it from him. Eddie, I'll see you next week. I have to get home. My little sisters are having this dog show, and I promised I'd be the judge. Oh, boy, would I love to go to a dog show. I mean, a man who loves dogs as much as me, that would just about make my day. Would you like to go to the dog show? Oh, if you insist. <laughs> oh, great. Do we need to get permission for you to leave? What do you think? I got to ask her just to get out of this door. I've done whatever I want all my life. Except for those 41 years I was married. Great, let's go. Okay. Yeah. I just tell my friend I'm stepping out. Hey, I'm getting out of here, yo. Go. I'm going to a dog show. Oh, that little girl isn't allowed to take you out of here. What if you have one of your spells out there? I'm not going to have any of my spells. Now, just here, take, hold on to this candy bar. It's a Snickers, I think. I'm not allowed to eat candy. Don't, just hold on to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, nurse, Ferguson is over there trying to sneak a candy bar. Go on over there and nail it. Mr. Ferguson, 
But if he would have spelled it right, let her know, like, hey, he's leaving, they would not have even gotten out of the parking lot. Which, I just thought of it. When he's letting her win, I swear he is letting her win because he has his own professional, um, Q-stick thing. I swear he could, like I said, I feel like, in my mind, he cooked this whole thing up. Had the candy bar already placed in his pocket, let her win, let her, you know, you know, he, he did the nice thing, you know, let her win. Not just because, you know, she's a guest there, but uh, because he wanted something. He wanted to get out of there. It's like, what better way to schmooze my way out of here than to let her win three games at Bumper Pool? There you go. My guess is more than likely DJ was taking public transportation to get there. So, <laughs> first couple oddities here is DJ and Eddie walk through the door. Now, mind you, Eddie, like I said, he probably has not been out in a very long time. And he's probably like, wow, the world has really changed. And let me tell you, there's some oddities going on, especially... <laughs> With Jesse coming in with that bun in the oven t-shirt with that pregnancy sympathy pad around his belly. <laughs> Eddie cannot contain his, oh my gosh, a pregnant man. He's like, wow, I gotta get out more. <laughs> trying to think, wasn't there something in 2008, it was about a woman who was slowly transitioning to become a man who still had her reproductive organs and was able to have a baby. I swear that was like in the late, it was like 2008, 2009, and I think they've had at least a few more kids. You know, he and his partner. So it was like, that just, that's. I don't want to say it took the world by storm in the news. I mean, I worked at Rite Aid at the time that that came out. And I, I'm sure I saw it on, like, People, uh, US, Weekly, Star, you know, those kind of magazines and stuff like that. So, Eddie is just like, oh my gosh, I've not gotten out. I mean, he probably hasn't gotten out of that place in a year or so. I mean, who knows? He could have been very out of tune with the world and what's going on in, you know, 1991 at that point. Mind you, DJ wasn't there for the bet between Becky and Jesse of if you wear this pregnancy pad for 24 hours, you can wallpaper the nursery because they don't know that they're having twin boys at this point. Um, You can wallpaper the nursery in Elvis Presley. So, DJ's just as surprised, well, maybe not nearly as surprised as Eddie, because she lives in the Tanner house. A lot of crazy cuckoo things go on in that house. Um, it's like, Eddie, this is my Uncle Jesse, I think. <laughs> no, she just says, uh, Eddie, this is my Uncle Jesse. Jesse, he got no shame in his game. And she's like, hey, how you doing, Eddie? Puts out a hand there, and Eddie, sh Eddie shakes it. Well... Boy, a pregnant man! And he turns to DJ and says, oh, I gotta get out more often. <laughs> He's probably thinking, like, what else has changed in the world since I've been out of that 
assisted living, you know, that uh, nursing home. Uh, Jesse explains to Eddie, look, uh, no, no, I'm not really pregnant. This is, he doesn't even say it's a sympathy pad, which he should have remarked on that. He says, I have this little bet going with my wife that I can't wear this thing here for 24 hours. And then he says, let me tell you, it's been two hours and I'm feeling great. But then he starts bringing about, out on about the symptoms. Swelled ankles, retaining water. Then he says, my back hurts, my ankles are starting to swell, and I think I'm retaining water. Oh, God, if your ankles are starting to swell, get out of those boots. Those are going to be a fun time trying to take those off if your ankles are starting to swell. I, um... I started working, and um, it's a lot of, you know, moving around and everything. And I normally wear crew socks. And, you know, you're building up a lot of sweat and moving around and all that. So I come home, and I'm like, here, Jeremy, help me take my socks off. And there is, there was, it's gone now, but there was, like, a red, like, rash kind of running around the top of where uh, my crew socks were. And I'm like, okay. I need to switch to ankle socks. Now, I never, I'm like, I'm like, I don't like ankle socks. But now it's like, those are a godsend, the ankle socks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they, they really, really are. I saw the, the, just that red rash on both of my legs. I'm like, where was it? The moisture? Like, maybe the, the sock around the ankle area was locking in that sweat and that moisture. Maybe that's what did it. Because, I mean, the rash on my legs, they're gone. I know that's gross, and I apologize. TMI, TMI. But it's just like, oh. And with that, Jesse walks out of the living room. No, he doesn't walk out of the living room. He goes and sits down in a chair. Here comes Ranger Joe. Yes, Joey is fresh off the set. Has come home, still wearing his ranger outfit. And, of course, Eddie thinks, we don't know. We know nothing about Eddie. DJ does not even know anything about this guy. Not, I mean, he didn't disclose the fact that he has early onset Alzheimer's. Did his daughter explain to him? Or did that not happen until he got to the nursing home? We don't know. But he probably looks at Joey, and he, because he does ask, oh, what uh, branch of the service are you in? Because he, he, he sees Joey dressed up, what looks like almost semi-fatigues, if you will. They're not, it's not like he's wearing camouflage or anything like that. He's not wearing a hat or anything. But, um, yeah, he, he does look like a serviceman, a serviceman. And this is where Joey says, oh, I'm Ranger Joe from the Enchanted Forest. And the look that Eddie gives Joey is like, <laughs> I mean, he's someone that needs to be in that nursing home. <laughs> they thought I was a fire rocker. This guy's living in an, uh, he's a ranger in an Enchanted Forest. Of course, Joey comes in here to laugh at Jesse again because he can't get enough of that. <laughs> I can't get over that you're pregnant, even though you're not. <laughs> the idea of a pregnant man. <laughs> so after he's like, he, and Joey gets out for his laughter, he's like, "Oh, good, Deej, you're here. We're ready to. We're all set up in the backyard if you want to come out and get started." 
And the kids and dogs are getting antsy. I don't know how long these kids are going to be able to handle these dogs before the dogs just eventually lay down and refuse to do anything. Uh, no, I've been standing here for 10 minutes. I'm laying down. And I'm not going to move. So good luck with that trick that you want me to perform. Oh, I mean, Eddie just gives him this weird look. Like, what? Like, eh. <laughs> I'm surprised Eddie didn't say, and I'm the one in the assisted living center. Yeah. Joey could have just easily said, oh, I'm the TV show host of a children's show. The Mr. The, you know, the Ranger Joe show. Simple as that, but of course, no. And Joey says, well, all right, let's get going to the backyard for the dog show. And, of course, he takes one last look at Jesse. He's going to get one more laugh in. You do have that special glow as he points to Jesse sitting in the chair. Jet, no, I don't know any pregnant woman that's got, I mean, because it's Jesse. He has got his legs just spread wide open. It's like, who sits like that? Oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe it's just a guy thing. Because <laughs> Joey says, you have that special glow. And he starts laughing. And Jesse tries to kick him in the butt on the way out. So Joey is already out the door before DJ says, hey, Eddie, you can help me judge the dog show. And you see Eddie walking slowly to the point where he stops. Like, okay, something is going on. He stops and he puts a hand on the kitchen counter like he's bracing himself. Like he's not in this time right now. Like his mind, he's in another space in his head right now. Like a, a door has just been opened. And you see Joey actually heading out the door. And you see on the ground is the Mr. Woodchuck puppet. I'm like, why would you just set that on the ground outside? But DJ stops and turns. And she notices that Eddie isn't following her anymore. She's like, Eddie, are you coming? I remember how Eddie said, you know, you smile just like my little girl Gloria. So I think DJ is kind of a, tr I guess, would you call DJ kind of like a trigger for him, like something that is prying open these memories of him with his his daughter when his daughter is much younger. Because he looks at her confused like he doesn't recognize DJ. He's not seeing DJ. He's seeing Gloria. Because he calls her Gloria, says, what, what? Oh, come on, Gloria, you got to get up. You're going to be late for school. She looks at him confused and asks, what are you talking about? And Eddie quickly just snaps right out of it. It's like it's a blip. It's there for a half a second and boom, it's like he is back to the present. And he says, huh? It's like he doesn't remember what just happened. It's like his mind like slips out of it's like he's slipping in and out of focus. And she says, you just call me Gloria. Oh, he plays it off like it's a joke. Like, Matt, I, I know who you are. Come on, DJ, we gotta get to that dog show. And he walks past her and walks out into the 
backyard and just the look of she doesn't know what to make of it she doesn't know that he has alzheimer's she's probably never dealt with someone who has had this disease so yeah this is just like mm. i mean she probably checks it up to him just you know he's an old he's 75 years old and the fact that he likes to joke around and stuff, so... And he's kind of playing it off like it is a joke, like I'm just messing with you. Or the fact, like, you know, I'm 75 years old. I forget people's names every once in a while and this and that or something. So it's like, he's... I don't know. Beauty, the dog shows in the backyard. <laughs> Eddie, this is my Uncle Jesse. How you doing, Eddie? Oh, boy, a pregnant man. I gotta get out more often. No, no, no. no see, Eddie, I, I'm not really pregnant. See, I'm, uh, I have this bet with my, my pregnant wife, and she bet I can't wear this for 24 hours. What's that? It's been two hours, and I feel great. So, of course, my, my back hurts, my ankles are beginning to swell, and I think I'm retaining water. <laughs> Jesse is trying to get his body out of that chair he decided to sit in with the fake pregnancy pad wrapped around his stomach. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's very comical. <laughs> this is just as Danny walks in the door with the prize for the dog contest. It's a giant pooper scooper with a long handle that's probably about as tall as Michelle. And I just know, as Danny's walking in, he's like, hey, I got the, uh, I got the prize for the, uh, dog contest. We see it looks like a brown, like, grocery bag with handles. And the thing is, it must be a bag from some type of store because it's got, like, electrical tape covering whatever the name is, whether it's Steckity's or wherever, which I think maybe Steckity's might have just been a shop in Michigan, a store in Michigan, I'm not sure. It doesn't exist, hasn't existed in years, decades even, but that's the first store that came to mind. He says he picked up first prize for the dog show. So is there like runner-up, second, I don't think so. I think it's just the winner there is no second there's no runner-up there's no 
third place or any of that stuff. And Danny asks, hey, how's your bet with Becky going? And Jesse says, he says, oh, it's going good. I'm just going to take this thing off my stomach for a minute. And he tells Danny to watch the door in case Becky comes in. And Danny looks at him like, oh, but Jess, that would be cheating. And Jesse just, get, he just like basically rolls his eyes. With, oh, don't be such a goody goody. So Jesse says, I'm not just doing this for me. I'm doing this for every guy out there who's ever shot off their mouth and had to suffer for it. So he tells Danny to go watch the kitchen door while Jesse watches the front door. I'm thinking, well, no one's going to watch the stairs and nobody is going to watch the little entryway that goes through into the laundry room and into the kitchen. So you got two exits or entrances that aren't being covered. Honestly, if he wanted to actually take that off for a hot second, do it in the bathroom. Nobody is going to see you in there. There's no cameras. I'm not insisting Jesse cheat. But since he is doing it regardless, you do it where you do it in the bathroom. No one's going to see you in the bathroom. You could just say you had a, a bathroom issue. Like, wow, Jess, you've been in there for like an hour. Are you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good. We probably had another helping of Joey's Cocoa Puff Omelets. Yeah, that was from the uh, Happy Birthday Babies Part 2 episode. I always wondered, like, what does a Cocoa Puff Omelet consist? So basically it's just egg and then Cocoa Puff syrup. Wouldn't that get soggy if you, you know, pour it in there while you're cooking? Or maybe you wait till the eggs are done. And then you put in the cocoa puff. But either way, it's just, that is not a good combination. Unless, well, here's an interesting thought. You know how you make scrambled eggs, right? Milk and eggs. What if he used chocolate milk? With it? I know that sounds nasty, doesn't it? If someone paid me a million bucks, I'd take a bite of it. And Jesse says, you know, as he, he, the thing is connected by... It almost looks like um, cloth bandage, like if you hurt your foot or something. It's like connected with that and Velcro. And Jesse, of course, he thinks he's, you know, he's talking to Danny because Danny is in the kitchen doorway. He says, you know, I know us men are cheated out of the miracle of childbirth or experience but as he rips off the pads he chucks it onto the floor like it's nothing like that is someone's property you don't get to keep that thing he's like who cares and he chucks it to the ground like jesse but of course <laughs> who's coming through the laundry area into the living room but becky yeah so, uh, Jesse, he's getting really coy here, as he says, you know, I bet I could take the weights out of that thing and put feathers in, and Becky would never know, as she's walking over behind him. Again, she's still, you know, wearing the boots, and a large red maternity, I don't know if you'd even want to call that a dress, a moo, um, just maternity top. And I'm just saying, you're not going to ruin something she had to sign a release form for. Just to, like, get one over on her. I mentioned, you take the weights out of that thing? 
and you magically put feathers in there? You don't think that thing's going to be hanging really low on you? I would think the weights would kind of keep it, you know, center, not just with the, um, the Velcro and the elastic wrap around it. So, Jesse, <coughs> excuse me, of course, is coming like, oh, my neck is killing me. Becky comes over, she's like, oh, yeah, poor baby. <laughs> she didn't say that, but she's like, oh. So, she goes and starts rubbing his shoulders and Jesse immediately thinks it's Danny. I'm thinking, when has Danny, Danny ever given you or been known to give a back rub? Unless he's given a back rub. He was given a back rub to, to Pam when she was pregnant. Who knows? We don't know. That's a story. I want to know about Pam and Danny's early years as first-time parents. I, I would love to see a young version of Danny Tanner. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And Jesse Katsopoulos and Joey Gladstone as, like, high schoolers. And them getting together, you know, and Danny and Pam getting together, getting married, having DJ. And I just, I think it would be so cool. What do you think, Quinn? I know, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? That sounds like something you'd watch, right? Well, sweetie, if it's too hot to lay in the sun, then get out of it. I can't open the door, the window there because they got the lawn people around. It doesn't sound good, right? <laughs> My crazy Quinny. Yeah, you just take a nap, baby. You just, you just take a nap in the sun like you do. And of course, Danny the whole time has been looking out into the kitchen from the doorway of the living room, and he turns around. <laughs> and he's like, what, what, thinking, what, what, Jess? <laughs> and he sees Becky giving Jesse a massage. You know, massaging his shoulders and his back and his lower back. And it's probably not the first time she's given him a, a massage. Wouldn't you know if your spouse were giving you a massage and they come up behind you, wouldn't you know the feel of their hands? Like, if they've given you a massage before, wouldn't you be able to know? I mean, come on. I mean, unless Danny, and we don't know, has given Jesse a massage. I don't know. It's just, I mean, this is clear to me purposes, of course. Oh, this is where he says, Jesse says, oh, can you get my back? And Becky moves her hands to his lower back. He's like, hey, who's watching the kitchen door? And Danny says, I am. And the look of utter shock on Jesse's face. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, then who's? And Becky says, take a wild guess. And he knows he's been caught. And he goes immediately to strap that pregnancy sympathy pad back around his stomach to you. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, I can't unstrap this puppy. <laughs> You lost, buddy. <laughs> he actually goes to attempt to try to put it back on. Like, uh, she's standing right there. She knows you don't have it on. You really think you're, he's that desperate to win that bet to get. Which, I think that Elvis Mobiles, that was a nice little compromise. I mean, when we see the nursery, when it's all done, we see the Elvis Mobiles. Which, like I said, that had to have been custom made somewhere. Unless, you know, 
there were baby stores, certain ones that did have an Elvis Presley section for those Elvis Presley obsessed parents that want to get something like that for their baby. You know, for the Jesse Katsopoulos out there in the world that need something like that for their babies that really probably wouldn't care whether Elvis Presley, multiple Elvis Presleys were hanging and twirling around their head. Would they be able to tell the difference between that and, say, some little giraffe elephants? I mean, especially with, with, with babies when they're just born. I mean, they might see something floating above them, but their eyesight is just, it's not 100% there yet. So stuff probably is going to be a little, you know, muddled. But we all know Jesse's doing that more for himself than his boys. He just, he wants to just drown, like, the kids in the culture of Elvis and, and Beach Boys, and it's cool if you want, you like those things and you would like your kids to like them, but let them come do that if they want to. Don't force Elvis Presley and the Beach Boys on your kids, because they're going to probably end up eventually. No Elvis, no Beach Boys. No Jesse and the... No, I don't want to hear my dad's music. I just, I can't anymore. When Jesse picks the pregnancy pet off the floor, it's like, thanks a lot. And Danny just puts up a hand like, hey, she didn't come through my door. You told me to watch the uh, the door going in the kitchen. I did. I did my job. Bye. I got a dog show to go and uh, give a prize to the winner. The winner gets a pooper scooper that's going to most likely be taller than them. Jesse, as he's putting this sympathy pad on, he's like, Beck, I'm sorry. It's like he's apologizing. Like, oh, let me get this back on. See, I'm strapping it on. And she's just like, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's not how it works, buddy boy. I can't unstrap this puppy as she pats her stomach. <laughs> I love how Becky is just so gleeful in this. Like, you lost. I get to pick out, pick out the wallpaper for the nursery. Fun at the circus. <laughs> she says, that nursery's going to be full of clowns all laughing at you. Yeah. Point in the, in the time where this is, what, 91, right? Well, if, I'm, if this is correct, let me double check. When did that TV miniseries of Stephen King's It come out? Was that also uh, 91? Let's see. It's okay. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so it the TV miniseries came out in 1990. So I mean, if you think about it now, we have had the it remake, and it is instilled. And if we thought you know clowns were scary back in the 90s and stuff, now we've reintroduced that back in 2017 it's like great you're issuing a new fear of clowns to a new generation of children it's like oh my god but these are cute clowns they're smiles they're not like sad you know painted face clowns that are you know got the teardrops falling and the little bindle sack and they look like uh you know <clears throat> they're the clowns from the great depression oh the sad clowns the sad sad clown faces yeah not the creepy ones that go up near the kiddos. Jesse just rolls his eyes, sits on the coffee table, and he's like, all right, all right, you win. Yeah, he says, I get, 
I gotta admit it, you babes are pretty tough to be carrying that around for nine months. It's like, yeah. And she's carrying not just one baby, she's carrying two. So that's like twice the amount of weight and everything. It's like, oh my goodness. And the fact that, I mean, she goes into labor, th and whenever Jeremy and I watch that episode, Happy Birthday Babies Part 2, when Nikki and Alex are born, it's like, she's three weeks early, the twins look like healthy, normal-sized, maybe <clears throat> seven, eight, nine-pound babies, which is probably, what, the normal weight, like seven, eight, nine pounds? Or is not, I don't know. Anyway, and I'm just thinking, if those babies were three weeks early they would probably be a bit underweight and for all, you know, they probably would have to go to a needle needle unit and, you know, so they can, you know, gain a little weight before they can go home and all that stuff. You know, granted this show, it's played for comedy. They're not going to have like Becky having issues with pregnancy halfway through and having to go to the hospital for an emergency, you know, you know what I mean? They're not going to do all that stuff. If this were a drama series, like a, our drama that would be interesting that would honestly be interesting to see full house played it because it is a comedic series with dramatic moments but would you ever be interested in seeing a version of full house that was a like a drama series that would i i would be interested Becky sits next to him on the coffee table. I'm not, I'm surprised that Cumberland White doesn't, like, break that coffee table. But how many people have sat on that coffee table instead of sitting on the couch or in a chair? But anyway, she says, you know, I know I complain a bit. But, and I love how she kind of br lightly brushes Jesse's bangs kind of away from his forehead. She says, I know I complain a bit, but, you know, to be honest, it's worth it. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know personally, but... You're incubating, you're creating, you and your spouse, significant other, or however you want to call it, you're creating another human life together. And think about you, as a woman, get to spend nine months, you know, holding your baby in, inside of you, protecting it as the baby grows and gets bigger. That's a big responsibility. And she, I love how she takes Jesse's hand in hers and says, carrying our twins has been one of the most greatest experiences of my life. I'm like, oh, Becky, the experience is just beginning. Just wait till you give birth and you get to see your babies. And that's the thing I notice is, like, with even ultrasound pictures, there's just, they're, like, 3D images where you can, like, really see crystal clear the baby's face their features you're like oh you could probably even already tell like oh i can see he has my nose or he has your eyes or he's got that little dimple in the chin or whatever it's just yeah and that would be interesting i mean if jeremy and i had, had ever had a kid if you know, our child would have that because he does have, like, I don't know whether you call it a dimple in the chin, a, a cleft, whatever. But it would just be interesting. And not to mention, Jeremy is also left-handed. So if we had a, had a baby, would they come out? Because I'm right-handed. So it would just be interesting to see would they, the child be a left-handed southpaw or would they be a regular right-handed person? I don't know. And I'm not saying anything against southpaws. If you're left-handed, God bless you. 
that that's just I think that's an awesome skill to have. I wish I could write with my left hand, but yeah. There are some people that honestly can do both. Isn't that what no, I don't know. Versatile, is that what that means? Like you can do with both hands? He says, you're incredible. And they kiss, and oh, Love how after they kiss, their foreheads are still next to each other. And Jesse says, how does a full body massage sound? And Becky says, without even open her, opening her eyes, mm, like heaven. And Jesse says, great, because I, really I could really use one. I'd be like, okay, you first. You give her a massage first. She's been carrying those twins longer than you've been wearing that pregnancy pad for two hours. Hi, Jay. Well, I picked up first prize for the dog show. A pooper scooper. So, uh, how's your bet with Becky coming? Oh, it's going good. I'm just going to take this off for a while because my back is killing me. Yeah, Jess, that would be cheating. Don't be such a goody-goody. <laughs> I'm not cheating because of me. I'm doing it for guys across the whole country who shoot off their mouths and have to suffer for it. Here, you, you watch the kitchen door. I'll watch the front door. Gotcha. Oh, God. You know, I know uh, us men are cheated out of experiencing the miracle of birth, but who cares? Uh, I bet I could take the weights out of that and put feathers in. Becky would never know the difference. <laughs> He's right uh, behind you. My neck is killing me. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Danny's look like, what? <laughs> uh, can you get my back? Are you watching the kitchen door? I am. <laughs> Don't look around. Take a wild guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. Thanks a lot. She didn't come through my door. Exactly, he did what you asked. Just, I'll just take a little break here. Look, I'm strapping this puppy right back on. Nope. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how it works, buddy boy. I can't unstrap this puppy. You lost. I get to pick the wallpaper. Fun at the circus. That nursery is going to be full of clowns, all laughing at you. All right, all right, you win. I admit it, you babes are pretty tough to carry that around for nine months. No. Oh. Well, I know I complain sometimes, but the truth is, it's worth it. Carrying our twins has been the most wonderful experience of my life. You're incredible. <coughs> How does a total body massage sound? Oh, like heaven. Good, because I could really use one. <laughs> All right, let's get out to the dog show. So we got nine kids watching, and we got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five kids performing. One kid of which actually looks like a repeat, um, re not a re- I wouldn't call this necessarily a reoccurring character, but I do remember- since this is season five, she was in the episode Double Trouble. She did play one of Stephanie's classmates. There, not to mention, there is another girl that is in season five's Double Trouble that plays a classmate of Stephanie's that was also in 
the middle age crazy episode from season two. So yeah, interesting they brought this that that girl back too. So, and I part of me kind of honestly wonders if some of these kids might be the children of the people that work on the show, not necessarily the cast, but crew members who work behind the scenes and stuff like that. So, one dog looks like a shaggy terrier, almost kind of similar to Benji. And he's doing a typical trick, which is standing on the hind legs and just, like, shimmying from side to side like he's doing a little dance. He, she, I don't know. Maybe it's a girl. I can't tell. And I don't need to look in the nether regions to uh, find out, so, or want to. Okay, this is, because <laughs> we do see Teddy with Sparky, and Teddy is played by Taj Mauer. Well, the thing that's interesting, when this girl was performing, you know, he's in the background with the other kids waiting to perform, and he, T Taj is looking off to the side at, clearly who's giving him directions, because it looks like, yeah, he is, he looks like he's listening for his cue, because he's got a serious, I'm listening to somebody face. And then it quickly morphs into a smile. It's like, okay, get ready to smile. And, you know, applaud for the girl who is performing, you know, her dog's performing a trick. Because he's smiling, but he's looking not at the girl. He's looking off. It's almost like someone's told him, like, hey, if you do this right now, I will buy you a, a toy Nerf gun or something after you're done with this episode. Two of these boys look to be close to Stephanie's age. They both have dark hair. One looks like he's got a mullet. They're both standing. One's wearing a yellow shirt with a zigzag pattern. And the other one's wearing a black shirt with something. The thing is, these two boys look like they would honestly rather be somewhere else and not doing this. But then again, think about it. There's a bunch of kids. There's a bunch of dogs. More dogs than they probably have had in one shot at one time on the show. And I'm just... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the dogs... Because it's up to the kids to try to keep these dogs under control. They're on leashes and stuff. But, I mean, Comet is a trained... These, all these dogs are clearly probably trained celebrity, you know, dogs. We know Comet is. We know Sparky is. Because, like I said, he was in Beethoven and Beethoven second. Unless you can prove to me out there that this isn't that dog. I think it is. Granted, they used a lot of different dogs to play the dog Wishbone, and they used a lot of different dogs to play Beethoven. Like, you could tell in Beethoven's second some of the dogs they used as stand-ins. Like, that is clearly a very skinny St. Bernard that looks nothing like Beethoven. All right, so we got DJ and Eddie sitting at a card table as the judges. We have Stephanie trying to psych up Michelle, like, all right, if you, if, after we win, there'll be a nice treat in each of your bowls. And I paused it just at this minute. We see Comet clearly looking to the trainer, like, because his eyes are, like, looking off screen, clearly, to the trainer. 
that's going to give him direction. Yeah, and Michelle says, well, it better not be dog food. You already tried to give me a liver snap since you gave Comet my cookie. Let's not make that mistake twice. It's funny how Joey's the one kind of hosting this, and he's got, like, a little tagline. It's like he's announcing, like, someone who's coming on to Love Connection or something. Oh, you've chased him off your front lawn. You've seen him at many hydrants. Here he, here he is in person, or in dog form. Sparky! And Sparky is, if you don't know, he is a Jack Russell Terrier. A lot looks identical to Wishbone. And of course, Teddy knows... <laughs> he knows Joey as Ranger Joe. He's like, thanks, Ranger, Ranger Joe. I can't do a lisp. Isn't that amazing how the fashion of the 90s, is it starting to come back a little? Because Teddy is wearing a gray, it's a gray sweatshirt. It's got like um, a hillside with a couple pine trees. It's got a sky with, I think that's a yellow cloud, which that concerns me deeply about the environment that's going on in his shirt. And deep royal, I say between royal blue and navy blue clouds. And some weird yellow print pattern underneath. Where Oh, there, that's supposed to be a mountain ridge. Okay, I see it. Much detail in Teddy's shirt, I swear. And Teddy says, Sparky will now do his funny walk. And the walk, if you even want to call it that, I definitely wouldn't. I'd be like, okay, that dog needs to go to the vet because they have a problem with their back legs. Because he, he, the dog is walking with its two front feet and then dragging his back legs behind him. That honestly makes me think, like, okay, that dog needs a little wheelchair so he can walk, you know, walk, um with assistance and be able to walk. You know, you see the, the dogs, the cats with the little wheelchairs behind them that help support their back end and everything like that. And it's just like, because when you think of it, like a, a dog like dragging its legs or whatever, no, and I, I was thinking of that last night, like, no, that's where they drag their butt across the carpet because they have like worms or something. No, this is something completely different. This makes me think of when, uh, Dogs that just, they refuse to, like, I don't want to walk anymore, I'm over this. And they'll just lay, splayed out, front feet and back feet, splayed out, and just lay there. And, like, sure, if you want to drag me, you know, but that's what I'm doing. I'm not, like, going to get up on my feet and just walk. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> that's exactly what this looks like. It looks like halfway through the routine, the little trick routine, and it looks like Sparky is, like, trying to get his back feet underneath him, like, halfway through the trick. Like, okay, let's, I want to walk normal. Thank you. So, we, everyone applauds, and we cut to the card table with DJ and Eddie, and DJ says, I give him four stars. And Eddie says, well, that little wiener dog, Sparky's sure going to be hard to beat. And I'm thinking, when I hear wiener dog, I immediately think of, you know, Dachshund. That's usually what people refer to when they say wiener dog, like a hot dog type dog, because they're long. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, what would you, <coughs> what would you call, refer to a dog like Sparky? I don't know. But, um, yeah. 
And Stephanie asks, I wonder why Kimmy didn't show up with Coco. Michelle says, because her dog's a chicken. <laughs> Michelle's like, hey, I made a joke. Like, she just realized that. <laughs> and then she's like, <laughs> So here we go for the last contestant, of course, Comet. Joey starts listing <laughs> Comet's attributes. Again, like he's on... Like, love connection. He's a Pisces. He loves windsurfing. And rubber pork chop. That's right! The first, or, the first, the episode series opener of season eight. Comet's excellent adventure at the end when they're like, oh, where's Comet? Oh, I still have his rubber pork chop. Joey says, please say hello to the amazing Comet. Michelle adds, and the amazing thing he jumps over. Because, of course, she wants credit, too. Everyone applauds, of course. Michelle gets in the position. When Jody, uh, you know, Stephanie, brings Comet forward to perform the trick, it's almost like the dog has his eye on something, because it's not like he charges forward, but he starts walking forward. And you just see, because he's wearing um, a choke chain, and Stephanie has to kind of grip, like, with both hands, like, kind of pull him, like, no, 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 you're, you're coming over this way. Don't lose focus, please. The way that Stephanie described, like, Comet is going to fly through the air over my little sister and land on the other side. She's making this trick sound bigger than what it is. It's not like Comet's going to, Quinny, you're not going outside. What are you doing to the screen? Hey, don't sniff that paint. Quinny, no! What are you doing? Leave the paint alone. Oh my god. Yeah, they must have, when they painted this ledge for the window, they must have gotten like the very bottom of when you push the window up. Um, they must have gotten that with some paint and Quinn was like, uh, smelling it or whatever. It's like, I don't know about, you know, paint chips or whatever that stuff was back in the 60s, 70s, what have you. But I don't think I need my cat to be, uh, yeah, I'm talking to you, miss. We don't need you to be doing that kind of stuff. Licking the paint, even though it's probably been there for years, months, whatever, just... Just, you can look out the window. That's why I opened it for you. Right? Right? That's exactly right, baby. I, I opened it just for you. That way you can look out. That's what you were doing. Go do that. Go do that some more. Go look out there. I'm sure there's lots of wonderful things. You can watch all the cars driving by. That's fun, right? No? Okay. But yeah, the way, <laughs> sorry I got distracted by my cat. Um, <laughs> she's making this spe a spectacle of what this trick is, making it sound like Comet's going to fly over my sister, land on the other side, he's going to take a running leap through a hoop of fire, and then he's going to, like, dive into a tub of water or something. He's like, my goodness, we're at the circus here. Probably cooler than dog tricks. 
dog costume contest. Yes, that would have been awesome. So, everything. All right, as Michelle gets into position, all right, on your mark, get set. And then here comes Kimmy with Coco, this gorgeous peach-colored standard poodle. Not, you know, the tiny toy, but the standard tall. Gorgeous, gorgeous. It's like, not even peach, it's like an apricot color. Gorgeous poodle. The only poodles I know are is Georgette from Oliver and Company. And trust me, don't base all your opinions on Georgette, the poodle, from Oliver and Company. Because I'm sure there are some pretty nice poodles out there that have great dispositions. So, Kimmy apologizes, like, sorry, I'm late. We have to do this fast before my mom wakes up. And discovers I took Coco from the lab. The lab, everybody! The lab? I was concerned for Coco's safety. What is this lab that she's referring to? Clearly, Kimmy's mom is into breeding. Because Coco's got the traditional pink bows just above the ears. And then she's got one in her butt fur. Like, just above her hip. And just below, just, it's like the spot, but just below the spine and just above the hip. It's like, I call it the the butt fur, basically. Like I said, gorgeous apricot fur, beautiful. And Comet, <laughs> he's already, like, he's got this giant smile on his face. Golden's, I think, honestly, Golden Retrievers just have the gorgeous, most beautiful smiles on a dog I've ever seen. Uh, I am getting, I swear I am getting a Golden Retriever one day. If it happens, if I gotta wait until retirement, then so be it. But I am getting a dog while I am still on this earth. I swear my cousins had a dog, the cousins that I lived with for a year and a half, they had a dog, and I swear, well, it wasn't a Golden Retriever. I think it was like maybe a white German Shepherd or something. Um, I swear it was named Comet. I swear it was named Comet. Like, Full House was, like, a regular staple for a hot minute in the Rash household, Rash being my maiden name. <laughs> Stephanie's, like, trying to get Comet, like, come on, boy, go. You ready? Let's go. And he is just, he's only got eyes for Coco. You hear the lovey-dovey music. As he goes over to her, and Coco is just laying down on the ground. Which, a dog like that, would you really want them laying on the grass? Especially if, I mean, I honestly think that Kimmy's mom is a breeder. Like, she's a standard, like, that dog goes to shows and stuff and wins awards. And I didn't know this then, when I watched this when it aired. But you know you put Coco, a standard poodle, and Comet, a golden retriever together, you know what you get? A golden doodle. A golden doodle. And of course, it's he, he doesn't go over to her yet, but they both, they keep cutting between shots of Comet's expression and um, Coco's expression, and they keep going back and forth with them. They're like, like many, many feet apart from each other. And Stephanie says, come on, come on, do your stuff. <laughs> come on. How much you want to bet? Because we can't see it, but I'm sure some other kids got bored. Like, you know what? I really, I have to go home and 
uh, wow, I gotta do my homework. It's due tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> Even Michelle, who's just crouched on the ground, is finally just like, <sighs> turns her head to the side, like, I'm taking a nap. I'm still in position, by the way. I'm just gonna close my eyes. And Stephanie says, comment, like this, as she, like, skips over Michelle, just like a little hop skip, and there you go. And Danny starts clapping, saying, oh, that was an excellent jump, sweetheart. And Stephanie just rolls her eyes, like, ugh. Comet already failed now twice at this trick. He did it once. One time out of three times total. So it's basically whatever. It's whatever. Failed twice, succeeded once. Of course, Michelle expects payment too. It's like, well, I did my job to crouch here, you know, to be the, you know, little object that he jumps over. I get my cookie, right? I get paid, don't I? Thank you. And don't ask me to help you again, Stephanie. This is ridiculous. I may be only four years old, but I got stuff to do. I could have been inside watching The Little Mermaid. Oh, Kimmy says, all right, and for your listening pleasure, Coco will accompany me in Pollywaddle Doodle of the Day. What in the, what in the, huh? Is that a song? Is that a poem? I gotta look that up right now. Okay, so Polly Wally Doodle is a traditional American children's song. Okay, well, I've never heard it. <laughs> uh, sung by Dan Emmett's Virginia Minstrels. Um, known to have been performed by the Yale Glee Club in 1878. Wow. Uh, Polly Wally Doodle appears in the manuscript for Laura Ingalls, Wild Laura Ingalls Wilder's novel, These Happy Golden Years. Um, cool. It says appearances in film and television. Uh, you can't take it with you. Pocket full of miracles. Shirley Temple sings Polly Wally Doodle and Littlest Rebel. Donald Duck, Good Scouts. Come on, mention Full House for heaven's sake. It was in there. I heard it. You all, you're all gonna hear it in a second. Even Stevens, really. I mean, Kimmy only gets a couple lines in, but it, I think it still counts. I don't see it. I'm going to have to hear this song. I'm going to have to hear this Polly Wally Doodle stuff. Polly Wally Doodle. All the day. Polly Wally. So it sounds like, oh, eh, okay. Okay, I'm listening to Shirley Temple sing this Polly Wally Doodle song from The Littlest Rebel. That's not even remotely close to the lyrics that, that Kimmy sings. It has nothing to do with eating chicken and watermelon and what have you. She sings, Kimmy sings, I went down south to see my Sal. And then she's like, take it, Coco, come on, dog. And, of course, Coco is transfixed. Both she and Comet are looking at each other. They only got eyes for each other. And, yeah. But, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's just... I'll play a smidgen of the Shirley Temple thing, but not even remotely close to the same lyrics. Unless what Kimmy's singing is later on in the song. I just haven't heard it yet. This is where Comet finally approaches Coco. 
And it's an adorable little meat cute. And he just lays down in front of her. Like, so respectably, gentlemanly so. She says, I think Comet and Coco are in love. And of course, Kimmy says, if they get married, we could be in-laws. And I'm just thinking of the future and what we already know. Y'all are already going to be in-laws when your little brother marries Stephanie. And furthermore, you're going to be the surrogate for Stephanie and your brother's child. The word in-laws is out of Kimmy's mouth. Danny jumps out of that chair, goes down to Comet, and is trying to, like, mentally, like, pull him back. Like, no, Comet, no. She may look all fluffed up and groomed now, but how's she going to look in the morning, Comet? How's she going to look in the morning? Think about it, Comet. So DJ and Eddie stand up as DJ says, all right, the judging of the dog contest, the winner is, it's unanimous. And then she hands it off to Eddie. He says, yeah, and Eddie is just so pleased it's punch to announce the winner. He says, and the winner, the dog with a funny walk is, uh, the winner is the dog with a funny walk, Sparky. And Teddy just, he's cheering. He's like, yay, we won, we won, yeah. I mean, Sparky could care less, I'm sure. Here, a far-off dog bark that I guess is supposed to be coming from Sparky's mouth, but we're only viewing him from the butt end, so who knows? <laughs> Here comes Danny to give the Pooper Scooper first prize, and Teddy just says, A Pooper Scooper? A Poopa Scooper? <laughs> it's almost like Danny is awarding a trophy. He's like, here you go, young man. Here's your prize. And the way that Teddy says it is like he is just, he's like outraged and shocked and surprised, all three. So he says, a uh, poopa, scoopa? <laughs> Haven't you ever heard of a trophy? Like, <clears throat> really, Danny? That, that pooper scooper is literally as tall as Teddy. You think he's going to be able to operate that on his own? Really? I honestly hope that in 2021, we have come beyond the pooper scooper and we have finally gotten something that is more convenient. Can you imagine trying to haul that around with you while you walk your dog somewhere? <laughs> I mean, at least they got little poop bags and stuff like that, but I'm sure that's just as, uh, but Poop bags has got to be a better alternative than hauling that heavy metal contraption around. <laughs> Danny, of course, here, let me demonstrate it for you over here. Like, it's not going to matter. He's never going to use it. You think that that, kid, that his parents are going to just let him wander down the street with his dog? No! Sure, Teddy, you can go back. You can go take Sparky for a walk down the road for road like they're in the country. No, they live in the city. They'd be going on a sidewalk. Even then, no, 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 no. You don't let your kids just up and wander off like what they're doing. Not, not at four years old or five years old. I don't even think that dog okay, bark came from that dog. Win first place? There'll be something extra in each of your bowls. It better not be dog food. Okay, next up, 
You've seen him at all the local fire hydrants. You've even chased him off your own lawn. Now, here he is in person. Give it up for Sparky! Thanks, Ranger Joe. Sparky will now do his funny walk. <laughs> I give him four stars. That little wiener Sparky is going to be tough to beat. I wonder why Kimmy didn't show up with Coco. Because her dog's a chicken. <laughs> hey, I made a joke. <laughs> okay, now it's time for our last contestant. He's a Pisces. He loves windsurfing and rubber pork chops. Please say hello to the amazing comment. An amazing thing he jumps over. Jump, sweetheart. I did my job with my cookie. Oh, really? Pay up, Steph. And now, for your listening pleasure, Coco Gibbler will accompany me in Polly Wally Doodle all the day. Good luck. Oh, I went down south for to see myself. Take it, Coco! I think Comet and Coco are in love. If they get married, that would make us in-laws. <laughs> Think about this. Sure, she's all fluffed up and groomed now, but how's she going to look in the morning? Okay, the decision of the judges is unanimous. Eddie? And the winner is the dog with the funny wolf, Sparky. <laughs> all right, young man. Here is your prize. <laughs> all these kids are petting the dog. A you ever heard of a trophy? Yeah, really, Danny. Be practical next time. Cooper Scooper actually works. Teddy, why don't you give it a try right over here? Hi. Okay, so having listened to the Shirley Temple version, that is like gotta be like a toned down kids friendly version. Because this other one, Polly Wally Doodle by Leon Redbone, starts out just like Kimmy was starting to sing. So I think that's the version she was going with. All right, I did find, uh, based on Wikipedia results, about the pooper scooper. Po a pooper scooper, or poop scoop, is a device used to pick up animal feces from public places and yards, particularly those of dogs. Pooper scooper devices often have a bag or bag attachment. Poop bags are alternatives to pooper scoopers and are simply a bag usually turned inside out to, to carry the animal ways to a proper disposal area. But let's talk about the invention of the pooper scooper here. It's credited to Brooke Miller of Anaheim, California. The design she patented is a metal bin with a rake-like edge attached to a wooden stick. It also includes a rake-like device to scoop the poop into the scooper and hatch a hatch that can be attached to a garbage bag. So it looks like the generic term 
term pooper scooper has been included in dictionaries since the early 1970s. So while Danny is starting to demonstrate to Teddy how to use the pooper scooper, here comes the nurse from the Golden Gate Retirement Home. Her name is Nurse Thomas, I believe she says. So, and I like that Nurse Thomas doesn't get angry. I mean, think about it. She comes into the backyard. There's a bunch of kids. There's a bunch of adults. She's not going to make a scene. Like, she's not going to be rude about it. She's like, um, DJ, Eddie was not allowed out, is not allowed out without being signed out by a family member. Oh, she says Eddie was not allowed to to leave the home without being signed out by a family member who is in Florida. So that means Eddie is never, no wonder he was, he was just, he had to get out. He had to get out of those four walls. I mean, my girl, wouldn't you? If you, if you took the first chance you can find, like, I'm going to get out of here. I mean, who knows how long it's been since he's been on the outside. I mean, do they have, like, community outings where they take them to, like, the grocery store and stuff like that? Or, I don't know. But, I mean, I like the nurse that she's polite about it. And the fact that, I mean, it's not just that, it's not like Eddie, oh, he has to be signed out by an adult. Because, you know, you're only 14, you're underage. It has to be a family member. Now, we know he is a widower. His wife is gone. Otherwise, he wouldn't most likely be there. Who knows? Who knows? No. Probably the only living relative that he has that we know of that the show tells us is his daughter who, again, lives in Florida. Ugh. As sad as it sounds, she's probably like, all right, Dad, um, I will call you at Christmas and Thanksgiving and check on you. And then more than likely, she'd be like, oh, most likely come back for the funeral or something. Like, Come on. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to begrudge her having a life and living her life. But what kind of quality of life is poor Eddie getting? At, we know there are a lot of nursing homes, at least a handful I can think of, that are not the greatest places for. That's why adults probably want to do whatever they can to keep themselves from going into a nursing home. That's probably one of my greatest fears is what's going to happen to me if my husband goes before I do. And the same thing with my sister. I have no kids. Not that I would ask them even if I did to take me in because that is, like I said, that's a lot. And it's just like, what do you, I mean, I'm sure, honestly, if you had to choose, wouldn't you rather, and I'm not trying to be morbid here. I'm just saying, wouldn't you rather be in your home instead of in a strange place that you're just I don't know I just I feel bad for Eddie and I know that he needs that care and everything because yeah <clears throat> of what we learn momentarily and DJ is surprised she's shocked she's like well he he never told me that and she's looking like at you know Danny for like like but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, he didn't. And DJ, again, like being a teenager, she probably wouldn't have thought, well, Eddie says it's okay. She probably wouldn't have thought, well, maybe I should check first. Why don't I, like, here, let me, hi, um, Eddie wants to go to the dog show. Can I 
bring him over to my house? No? Okay. I'm sorry, Eddie. She, she, she said, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Um, I got to go uh, judge the dog contest. So I'll see you next week, right? All right, bye. And Eddie has pulled a disappearing act as Nurse Thomas asks, where is Eddie? And DJ is like, what, 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 where'd he, where'd he go? Great. You lost him, Deej. You lost Eddie. Where'd he go? He's pulled a disappearing act. And DJ says, well, he's here a minute ago. He's, you know, he's probably in the house. I'll, I'll find him. And when DJ goes into the house, Danny asks, is Eddie okay? And Nurse Thomas says, I'm afraid not. And Danny invites her, you know, Nurse Thomas into the house to, you know, talk a little more, like, give him a little more detail. <laughs> and as Nurse Thomas is following Danny into the house, <laughs> why are all these kids still hanging around? Like, go home. The dog contest is over. They're all there still huddled in a mask, like, petting Sparky, who's probably... Uh, getting tired of being petted. I'm sure at, at some point the dogs were like, okay, I've had enough. Please don't touch me anymore. Even Comet looks, who's laying down, and we have Coco, who's just sitting there. Comet already looks like, he also looks over, like, okay, um, this fascination with Coco, Danny's right. I don't know what you look like in the morning, so, yeah. Don't call me or come over. Unless invited. Which you won't be. That that goes to all Gibblers, Kimmy, including, including you. Show you how good that pooper scooper actually works. <laughs> and bye bye, Eddie. He leaves. Hi. He zips into the house. Thomas from the Golden Gate Nursing Home. <laughs> um, DJ Eddie was not allowed to leave the home without being signed out by a family member. He never told me that. He said he Where had a Eddie? daughter who lived in Florida. He was here a minute ago. He's probably in the house. Probably. Let's hope it's probably, unless he, like, okay? went out the front door. I'm afraid not. Yeah, kids, go home. The contest is over. Look, the dog's already walking Eddie. away. So interesting how DJ comes up the stairs looking for Eddie, and she finds him in her bedroom. So because DJ, this is a teenager's bedroom. So are his memories mainly focused on Gloria as a teenager? Because he's looking around at everything and he is full on back in, in teenage Gloria mode. He's back in, I don't know when, uh, maybe, howdy duty. I'm going to go with what, 50s, 60s maybe was when Gloria was a teenager. Let's just shoot for that. Yeah, he's not even looking at DJ. He's looking at like this bookshelf with we still she still got her horse, you know, not obsession, but she's got a couple horse figurines. So it's nice that they kept that. Got the pillow person. She's got a regular like cream white telephone on her little uh, wicker nightstand there. And Eddie says, you cleaned up your room real nice, Gloria. I don't know why I'm trying to give uh, Eddie a southern accent of sorts. And DJ's like, Gloria? Like, she's, she's like, you're doing it again. It's like, DJ's first reaction downstairs was confusion. Now it's, like, 
almost confusion mixed with irritation bordering on anger. It's almost like you're doing again. It's almost like she's thinking of this as, a, as an annoying habit that he we just got through breaking you of this and now you're slipping back into it. You'd think, like the last time, he would have snapped out of it as soon as she called him on it. Now he's getting defensive. Like, now you be nice or I won't let you watch Howdy Doody. And DJ, like, Howdy, Howdy Doody? That was on before I was even born. And DJ asked, Eddie, why are you doing this? And he said, He's surprised, like, doing, doing what? So it's like when she, like, confronts him, like, why are you doing this? It's like he snaps back out of it. It's like little faint. We don't know how long before she even got to the room, how long I'm going to just refer to this as Gloria Land. How long he was in Gloria Land before she, you know... Went up there, because as soon as he saw the nurse, he booked it into the house, like, faster than the Roadrunner. And, yeah, she says, well, you just called me Gloria, again, I might add, and you also said I couldn't watch Howdy Doody? And he's like, oh, yeah, that, I'm, see, I'm playing around, DJ, it's just, it's just a joke, I like, it's a, it's a game I do, it's like, I like to have fun with this, or something like that. I mean, if that were me, I'd be like, I'm not laughing. This isn't funny, Eddie. I don't, you're scaring me. I probably would flat out say, you're making me nervous. You're scaring me. What's going on? Because think about it. DJ has never, ever been in, I guess, I don't know if you want to say been in contact, but been, I don't even, I don't want to say exposed either. I just, what's the right word? Um, she's never been in a position with a person that's had it. Like, I think of, you know, Danny's grandma, uh, or Danny's grandma, Danny's mother, or Jesse's mom, or even Jesse's, well, well, Papuli, but he just, you know, he had a little memory loss. That's not Alzheimer's. That's not where you slip into... I honestly would like to read more on Alzheimer's. And I know there's got to be studies out there. I bet anything there's got to be. I want to see what other TV shows, what other even movies that have covered this. Because there are very there are a couple clips from a couple shows that I want to play. Very different deviations of a character with Alzheimer's and a young person coming to um, realization that the person that they're friends with isn't, you know, there's something going on with them that they really, they can't help. The person, you know, can't help what's going on with them. It's part of, you know, their their mind is just, it's, I guess, if you want to say, disintegrating in a way. Because... What do they say the average lifespan is like maybe 75 years old? Maybe, I mean, there are some that live into their 80s and stuff like that, and even 90s. And the thing is, you got to ask yourself, at that age, 
when you hit 85, when you hit 90, if you're, your faculties are just, they're there, good, great. But ask yourself, your body is wearing out. You only have so much time on this earth. I don't know even now what I'm implying. Let's get back to the episode. I apologize. Yeah, when she, like, you just called me Gloria and <laughs> said I couldn't watch Howdy Do. He's like, ah, oh, that. Yeah, I was just playing around, DJ. And DJ sits across from Eddie because he's sitting at her desk. And she says, Eddie, there's a nurse here looking for you. And I think we're both in trouble. And she asks him. Why didn't you tell me you, were, you weren't supposed to leave? He honestly does not care about DJ's feelings. It's all about what Eddie wants. So I snuck out and had a good time. What's the big deal? And DJ says, the big deal is we're friends and friends should be able to trust each other. <laughs> yeah, she said, the big deal is you're not allowed out without permission. He, yeah, again, Eddie is just, come on, DJ, you worry too much. Everything's fine. And DJ says, everything is not fine. He says, I want to be your friend, but friends need to tell each other the truth. I honestly like that DJ is holding Eddie accountable. Like, I understand, like, well, she doesn't know about his memory loss because he's going to, you know, say it in just a minute. But... Every, even regardless, it's like, no, he flat out used her. He saw his opportunity and he took it. And I guess this could be, um, I guess the actor's Oscar-ish moment for this episode anyway. Because this is one of those, seri well, serious-ish episodes. No, it's um, a lesson learned episode. Because the camera centers on, and we start to go in a little closer in the, on the shot with Eddie. Says, you want the truth? He says, most of the time, I'm fine. But they say that sometime my mind kind of drifts off. And he says, but I always find my way back. And DJ is concerned. She's like, are you going to be all right? And... He's just got such a positive outlook. Hey, Eddie Johnson's a fighter. And of course, here is where um, I'm going to I'm gonna play this clip and then I'm going to play when the nurse comes in and says, Eddie, not good. Eddie, here you are. You cleaned <laughs> up your room real nice, Gloria. Gloria, you're doing it again. <laughs> Now you be nice, so I'm not going to let you watch Howdy Doody. <laughs> Howdy Doody? That was on before I was born. Eddie, why are you doing this? Doing what? You just called me Gloria and said I couldn't watch Howdy Doody. <laughs> I did? Oh, shit. I was just playing around, DJ. Eddie, <laughs> there's a nurse here looking for you, and I think we're both in trouble. Why didn't you tell me you weren't supposed to leave? <laughs> So I snuck out and had a good time. Now, what's the big deal? <laughs> the big deal is you're not allowed out without permission. Come on, DJ. You worry too much. Everything's fine. Everything's not fine. <laughs> I want to be your friend, but friends need to tell each other the truth. 
You want the truth? Most of the time, I'm fine. But every now and then they say that my mind sort of drifts off. But I always find my way back. Are you going to be all right? Hey, come on. Eddie Johnson's a fighter. So, okay, what took them so long to get up there? I take it. They were sitting down at the kitchen table and Nurse Thomas was filling Danny in about Eddie's history and everything? Would be my guess. Would definitely be my guess. And Eddie holds his hands up like he's under arrest. Like, all right, all right, I'll go peacefully. <laughs> oh my, no, he said, he holds his hands up like, don't shoot, I'll go peacefully. I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't. Mm. I'm going to say that that joke does, does not, mm does not age well at all. I know they're trying to be funny, but no. And Eddie finally takes responsibility and he apologizes. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry if I caused you all this trouble and I'll understand if you uh, don't want visit, to come and visit me anymore. And he says, if, if you don't come to visit me and anymore, I'll, I'll understand. But I gotta tell you, this was a, the best day of my life. Oh my gosh, I'm crying. Oh my gosh, this is, it's sad as he said that this is the best day of his life, because when the heck, when was the last time that he got out of that place? Really? And how much you want to bet that because of what he pulled, he's probably going to be on lockdown and not even allowed to leave his room. I wouldn't put it pet. I would not be surprised if that is what happens. He would be put down in his file that he's a, I don't even want to know, would you call it a flight risk? I don't know, but because of what he pulled, he's probably, they're going to be watching him like a hawk now and probably saying, well, because of what you pulled, you're only coming out for dinner and, you know, well, he's probably got a bathroom in his, his room anyway and all that stuff, but more likely, yeah, he probably would lose privileges or be put in, you know, kept in his room on lockdown. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if probably, you know, I hope they called his daughter and let her know. I mean, even though she's in Florida, that it's like, oh, your father took off. Um, we got him back, by the way, but he, yeah. Like, <sighs> he says, this has been one of the best days I've had in a long time. And DJ says, I've had a great time, too. So Eddie goes with Nurse Thomas. Like, okay, let's go back. And DJ says, bye. He's in here. Eddie, not good. Don't you? I'll go peacefully. <laughs> hey, I'm really sorry if I caused you all this trouble. And if you don't come to visit me anymore, I'll understand. But I got to tell you, this has been one of the best days I've had in a long time. I had a great time, too. Okay, let's go back. So after Nurse Thomas and Eddie leave, DJ turns to Danny and says, Dad, I was, I was talking to Eddie and he didn't know who I was. And Danny says, well, sweetheart, 
uh, Nurse Thomas told me that Eddie is showing the signs, the early signs of Alzheimer's disease. Danny says, you know, apparently um, the disease affects his mind and sometimes he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. And DJ asks, you know, is he going to get better? And Danny says, um, the truth is with Alzheimer's is if he's got it, that it's, it's going to get worse, DJ. And, oh, D DJ is, she feels horrible. She asks, there's no cure? And, and Danny's like, not yet. I honestly, I really would like to wonder where they are at in their research with Alzheimer's. And not just Alzheimer's, but dementia as well. Because are they two, I mean, yes, they're two different diseases, but they sound, they sound somewhat similar in a way. And DJ just throws her hands like, I can't believe this. And she sits down in her chair. She's like, I really liked Eddie. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Just keep going back there and watch him get worse and worse? Now she's kind of kicking herself like, why Why did I even become a volunteer? It's almost like she feels like, like what's the point of even doing this anymore than if this is just, I guess, a means to an end or something. I don't know. Like, maybe, it, you know, why it just feels like me going there, it's not going to really have an effect. I mean, what could have seen him if he's not going to know who I am? Danny sits kind of on the, um, I don't know if you want to call it an out ottoman, the um, footrest, whatever. He's like, I know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. And DJ's like, why did, I, why did I decide to become a volunteer? And Danny says, well, because you care about people. No, excuse me. No, he asked her, well, why did you? And DJ says, well, because I wanted to help people. It's almost like she feels like, well, because I wanted to help people, even though I feel like I'm not doing that. Danny says, you know, I think, you know, the best way to help somebody is by being their friend. And Danny is like, did you see Eddie at the dog show laughing today? Danny reminds her, you know, he just said that this is one of the best days he's had in a long time. And that's all thanks to you, Deej. And Danny even says, you know, you can do a lot for him. You know, brightening up his day just by being there. And giving him something to look forward to. Yeah, it's the little things. Think about it. I mean, even, you know, you're sitting there all the time. Hey, a trip to the grocery store would be something. Because you're getting out and you're doing something. Something, a trip to the library, a trip to a movie, and or so, just anything. Uh, go to the park. Go, you know, help walk a dog. Something, anything. It's better than being cooped up inside four walls. <laughs> DJ says, "I'll be right back, Dad." So she's hoping she can catch Eddie and the nurse before they go out the door. Dad. I was talking to Eddie, and he didn't know who I was. Well, sweetheart, the nurse told me that Eddie is showing the early signs of Alzheimer's disease. It affects his memory, and sometimes he, he doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. Is he going to get better? Well, the truth is, uh, if he has Alzheimer's, he's going to get worse. 
And there's no cure? Not yet. I can't believe this. I really liked Eddie. What am I supposed to do? Just keep going back there and watch him get worse and worse? I know, I know. This is not an easy thing to do. Why did I become a volunteer? Why did you? Well, because I wanted to help people. Well, I think you know the best way to help somebody is by being their friend. Did you see Eddie at the dog show laughing today? <coughs> he just said today was one of the best days he's had in a long time. It's all thanks to you, Deech. You can do a lot for him just by brightening up his day and giving him something to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't even left. Eddie is on the front stoop, like, talking to Nurse Thomas, like, regaling her with... Uh, he's basically giving her a play-by-play -play of his afternoon. <laughs> it's just, he's like, we gotta start taking field trips to this house. And one day, I saw a brick... No, he saw... Yeah, he says, and one afternoon, I saw a dog show, a man in a ranger suit... And a pregnant man. Wow, Nurse Thomas, she looks exhausted. Like she is ready to end her shift and just go home and sit down. Because <laughs> she just rolls around like, Eddie, you need a nap. <laughs> you definitely need a nap. So, DJ's on the stairs and Danny's following behind her. And she's like, Eddie, wait, I have to ask you something. Would you like to stay and have dinner with me and my family? And Danny even asked, like, we would love to have you both. And, of course, Nurse Thomas has to get to work. Who's going to? Well, I, I'm sure the Tanner family can just drop Eddie off when, you know, dinner's over and everything like that. Yeah, she says, oh, I have to get back to work. Because Danny says, we would love to have you both, actually. She says, well, I got to get back to work, but Eddie can stay if he wants to. Of course, Eddie now being politely, well, I, I don't want to impose. By the way, what are you having? And DJ says, uh, lasagna. And Eddie says, I'll impose for a lasagna. Hey, Garfield loves lasagna too. Me, honestly, when it comes to lasagna, I'm not a huge fan. Jeremy likes it, but we just, we don't have it often because I'm not a fan of it. And I don't want to put in the effort to make something I'm not going to eat. Um, but I'm like, Jeremy, if you want to have lasagna, go for it. We made it a couple times when we lived in the house in Michigan. It, it feels like such a chore to make that lasagna with the layers and the, uh, I mean, kudos to those that love lasagna and love making it. That's awesome. But I'm just not too big on it. I hope they have garlic bread to go with that lasagna. Isn't that kind of like, they go hand in hand, right? Lasagna and garlic bread? Or is that spaghetti and garlic bread? Maybe it's both. So she uh, says, all right, bye. And she points at Eddie and says, behave. I honestly would like to think that I hope in case something happens during dinner that they kind of eat. Danny preps the family because Becky hasn't met Eddie. I mean, everyone else. I mean, Stephanie and Michelle really haven't been introduced to it. Well, maybe we just didn't see it. But I think they need to be versed in what to expect if this happens while they're all eating dinner. So, <laughs> DJ asks, would you like to help me set the table? And 
Eddie snaps his finger, puts out his arm and says, I'd be delighted. Just like when they left the home, putting out the elbow for her to take his arm. And they walk into the kitchen. So I'd taken field trips to this house. In one <laughs> afternoon, I saw a dog show, a man in a ranger suit, and a pregnant man. I'd say that's a good day. That's a good day. Give me a nap. <laughs> Eddie, wait. Um, I wanted to ask you something. Would you stay for dinner with me and my family? Actually, we'd love to have you both. Well, I need to get back to work. Yeah, this is like my extended break. I couldn't impose. (laughs) But just out of curiosity, what are you having? Lasagna. I'll impose for lasagna. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Would you like to help me set the table? I'd be delighted. All right, so that there was the episode. So for the worst outfit, again, as I said earlier, when we saw Stephanie's faded flower multicolored shirt, I'm like, hands down, ugh, no thank you. Best outfit, um, I honestly, I gotta go with... I gotta go with DJ. I like it. It's like she and Danny both are wearing the plaid shirts, but DJ's, I think they're, you know, red shorts, but they're really good. Compliments goes good together. I like it. Runner up for best, because DJ got, you know, best outfit. Runner up for best, runner up would be definitely Michelle. Again, I know, red. Michelle's wearing the red overalls, but that's not what sells it. She's wearing a mock Heelish turtleneck and her she's got her hair Michelle's got her hair in pigtails and she's it's like and the the um little scrunchy things holding up the pigtails are like a mixture of like teal and maybe purple or something but it, I like the how it goes together I just I like that <laughs> so uh Tanner teachable moment for this episode um in case of DJ don't just assume because they say it's okay, I can leave, that that is okay. You check first. Yeah, you check. Uh, as far as Jesse and Becky in that bet, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Have I ever followed through on a bet before? can't remember when the last time I ever made a bet, but come on, honestly, Jesse, come on, just follow through. It's one day. <laughs> I'm sure he said even after two hours, it felt like he was his ankles were swelling, he was retaining water, and his back aches. It's like, but think of what your wife is going through. I think if he really wanted to know, he should do that. Um, men feeling what child labor is like, that thing. If they had had that in, like, this time period and this decade, he should have participated in that. And then he really could have found out what it was like. Not just caring, but going through the actual labor. Uh, uh Tanner, Tanner, teachable moment for Danny, this is the last one. Rethink the award for the contest don't give a pooper scooper to a child who though when the pooper scooper is taller than said child just don't come on a trophy would have been adorable that just would have been so cute 
can get trophies at party stores, I'm sure. Or or even, no, like, sporting, like, those ones that have, like, awards and stuff that specialize in making that stuff. That kind of, that kind of place. All right, get ready next week for Dave Coulier's birthday. This will be on the 21st, although <laughs> Friday is not the 21st. This will be released on the 17th. Season 1, Episode 10, Joey's Place, which aired December 1987. Joey fears that the family doesn't need him anymore when they give him a too joyful send-off, but in reality they are planning a way to surprise him with a space of his own. Meanwhile, Jesse learns that Joey's job as, chi as a child care provider and housekeeper is not an easy one. So, Jesse, where Joey fails in the food department, Jesse really, wow, his food's amazing. I, I don't know personally, but I'm just, in my mind, I bet it's amazing. And Danny, honestly, the only thing I can think that he ever made was that turkey boat for Vicky and, um, what's that episode called? The Dating Game. Yeah. Blech. It's like a giant boot-shaped pot pie with turkey and veggies and stuff. Of course, of course, of course, we will close out September with the Back to School episode, the second Back to School Part 3 episode in the series with... Season 4's A Pinch for a Pinch. You get to meet Pain in the Rear, Pain in the Butt, Aaron Bailey in that episode. Actually, honestly, we've seen that kid before. I swear we'd seen him before that episode. So, yeah. So, from what I'm reading, as far as the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's, because there are a lot of different explanations about this. Someone, okay, what's the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's disease? Alzheimer's is a disease and dementia is a syndrome. Alzheimer's is a specific disease and is a form of dementia. Whereas dementia is a term used to describe symptoms like memory loss, a diminished performance of activities, and difficulty in communication. Um, let's see... Dementia is an overall term used to describe symptoms that impact memory, performance, and daily activities and communication abilities. Alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia. Alzheimer's disease gets worse with time and affects memory and language and thought. So the first uh, set of clips I want to play is from the episode of Mr. Belvedere, Season 3, Episode 2, entitled Grandma, which aired on October 3rd, 1986. In this episode, Wesley makes friends with an elderly woman at a retirement home, but soon finds out the shocking truth about her. She has Alzheimer's. So the first clip I'm going to introduce here is where Wesley meets um, the senior citizen. And Wesley's doing this... I guess it's almost like a grandparent volunteer type thing at the nursing home along with his older sister, Heather. And he's having Wesley, who's probably about maybe nine, ten at this point in season three, is having the senior citizen grandmas fill out a financial statement because he wants them to spend money on him or something, you know, like a a real grandmother would do for a grandson or something like that. Oh yeah, this is the uh, Wesley and the senior citizen whose name we will shortly learn. 
get acquainted for the first time. Boy, what am I doing here? I asked myself the same question. Huh? I filled out your little financial statement. Oh, yeah? My husband was a banker. He would have been impressed with you. This is nice. This is very nice. Oh, Wesley. <laughs> so, do I qualify? I think we can do business. <laughs> So, Wesley refers to her as Grandma Eunice. I guess her name is Eunice. Because he comes in with Eunice and he goes to grab a sweater because they're going to go play miniature golf. And, of course, Grandma Eunice looks like she's probably in her 70s. And she's like, ah, I need a leash for that boy just to keep up with him. And Mr. Belvedere says, well, you can borrow mine. (laughs) And she's... She knows that Wesley's a little carn on it. Well, because Mr. Belvedere's like, oh, you're playing miniature golf? Watch out for him. He cheats. And she acknowledges that, yeah, he's a little carn con artist, but he's just so darn lovable. I wish I could take him home with me. And Mr. Belvedere <laughs> has this post and like, oh, sign here. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere says, hey, just letting you know, dinner's at 7. And Wesley's like, well, Mom said that I could go and have dinner with Grammy Eunice. I guess they're going to Wee Willie Winkie's cartoon dinner theater or something. And Wesley's like, yeah, it's her favorite favorite place to go. Favorite restaurant. And Mr. Belvedere's like, yeah, mine too. So, Mr. Belvedere leaves. This is the first sign that we get that Eunice has Alzheimer's because... Wes is like, all right, let's go. And she looks at him and asks, go where? And he's like, well, we're going to go play miniature golf, remember? And she's like, oh, right, Wesley, I told you to get a hat. And he's like, no, you told me to get a sweater. And, And she's like, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Come on, let's go. So definite confusion there. Honestly, anybody could probably chop that up to, you know, Occasional forgetting. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, mine too. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Go where? You know, to play miniature golf. Oh, right. Wesley told you to get a hat. Huh? You told me to get a sweater. Oh, yes, that's what I meant. Uh, Wesley is, Marcia sees this as Wesley's got a gelato machine, he's got a go-kart, and it just, she sees like Wesley is taking advantage, and Wesley's like, no, but she wants to spend money on me. I tell her she doesn't have to, but she does anyway. And like, yeah, but tonight is my treat. I got $20. And Marcia asks, well, where did you get it? From Grandma Eunice. And whose last name is Dodson, she comes in, asks if something's wrong, and, of course, Marcia says, well, we feel it's a little inappropriate for you to be spending money on him. And she mentions about how she's miss, missing money or something to that effect. And Wes is like, no, you gave it to me, remember? You said that's all the money you had. And... You, she's forgetting, she's, it it just feels like the Alzheimer's is just really, 
accelerating just a lot more than just the, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, we're going to the movies, right? Right. We're playing mini, right? Yep. So, yeah, this is the first kind of semi, I guess, if you want to call it an argument. Like, no, you said that's all the money you had. That's why you gave me $20 for the movies. And Eunice really, okay, something she knows. I think she does know what's going on. And she immediately, I, I have to go. <laughs> what did she do? Wesley, what did I say about letting Mrs. Dodson spoil you? Go for it. <laughs> Come on, Mom. It's not my fault. I told her she doesn't have to keep buying me stuff, but she likes to. Anyway, the movie tonight is my treat. Well, that's very nice, Wesley. Where did you get the money? Grandma Eunice gave me $20. <laughs> is everything okay? Oh, sure. Um, Mrs. Dodson... I really don't think Wesley should be taking any money from you. I don't think so either. But you did give him that $20. No, I didn't. Sure you did. Wesley, I was going to use that money for the movies. But you gave it to me. I did not. Don't you remember? You said it was all the money you had. No, I... So, golly, Wesley comes in to the nursing home to see Grandma Unit. Well, it's not his grandma, he just because he doesn't have a grandma. And he brings a car, giant cardboard box filled with stuff. Like, uh, my parents said I had to return all the stuff you bought for me. And he goes up, he's like, oh, I'll get the more of the stuff in the, in the U-Haul, everybody. She, uh, so much stuff that he's got a U-Haul full. And Mr. Belvedere comes in with a skateboard. And I, I think this is where Grandma Eunice admits she knows she is most likely at, I don't know whether she says all time, Alzheimer's or whether she does know that she's starting to lose her memory. And how she does not want Wesley to know that. She wants him to remember her as she was, you know, taking in the movies and doing stuff and everything. Not who she is slowly becoming and losing who she is. Anyone want this? Nice to see you again, Mrs. Dodson. No, thanks, skateboard. I guess I did go a little overboard. <clears throat> I, uh... I just wanted to tell you how upset we all are about what Wesley did. Oh, it's all right. Not that I put anything past him. I don't think he really is such a bad boy. We always have our suspicions about that little crook. <laughs> but stealing the $20 has finally proved it. Oh, he didn't take the money. I gave it to him. I just forgot. You forgot? I forget about a lot of things. I think I have Alzheimer's disease. But just a few lapses of memory doesn't necessarily mean that you I have... know, I know. It, uh, it might be something else. That's what the doctors keep telling me. Of course. Sometimes, I am standing in the middle of the room. Or outside on the lawn. All of a sudden, I don't know what I'm doing. How I got there. 
You know, Wesley still thinks that you think he stole the money. I am sorry about that. Perhaps it would be better if you sat him down and explained. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I don't want him to know. I'm afraid pretty soon I won't be able to remember anything. I won't even be able to take care of myself. I don't want Wesley around to see that. Well, that's everything. It's all here except for the boomerang, and that's in the Huffnagel's dining room. <laughs> Thank you, Wesley. Well, it was nice knowing you. Goodbye. You know, I wasn't just hanging around to get stuff off you. I like you, Lou. I thought you liked me, too. I guess you were wrong. Aww. Let's go, Wesley. Here, I forgot this. So... Mrs. Dodson, Eunice, does explain to Mr. Belvedere that she believes that she has developed Alzheimer's. And Mr. Belvedere's like, well, I mean, if you forget a few things. And she mentions she's been to the doctor, and that's pretty much what they've told her. And she even explains, like, sometimes I'll be standing here or out in the yard, and I won't know where I'm at. I'll... And Mr. Belvedere even goes so far as to say, well, you know, maybe if you just explain to Wesley. And she says, no, no, I don't want him. She basically wants Wesley to remember her as she was, not as someone. Because she even says at some point, I am going to just not know who I am anymore. And it's sad what she has to do that she kind of feels like she has to sever ties with Wesley. As hurtful as, you know, Wesley says, um, you know, everyone thought I took advantage of you, but it was more than that. I really like spending time with you. And she's, he's like, well, I, I thought, you know, we were friends and everything that you liked me. And she's like, well, I, I guess you're wrong. And it hurts her to say that to him. But she feels she has to, like, she has to end this, this friendship with him because she does not want him to see her get worse. And, of course, in the next scene, we have Heather and her best friend, Angela, I know, who come and, uh, they're, they're the ones that are doing the, you know, the visit the senior citizen homes or school. And they bring up Mrs. Dodson, how she is completely just, it's like the Alzheimer's just hit the gas pedal and just boom, accelerated in an extreme, extreme way. And I'm guessing this must be, what, weeks, months later? I, I don't know. But the way that these girls are just like, oh, she's a Looney Tune and all, all this stuff. And Wesley, the fact that he's got to hear it like that as a joke to someone that he, even though, yes, he did take advantage and stuff. And yes, she did spend money on him and whatnot. But 
he did truly care about her because he he cared about her like she was his grand. He even called her Grandma Eunice. So Wesley gets a Christmas card in the mail, which he finds a little odd. You know, it's from Grandma Eunice. Like, why'd you give me a Christmas card? It's not even Halloween yet. Oh, just another example of things are starting to slip. Or maybe she's sending him one in advance because she knows now that the her Alzheimer's is accelerated, she may not remember. Or maybe it's a, a parting light here to remember me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that the girls joke about her, like, oh, she's a nut. She's a looney tune. She's not going to remember you, Wesley. Mr. Belvedere was going to go down there, and Wesley said, hey, while you're down there, ask Mrs. Dodson why she gave me a Christmas card. And Angela, Heather's best friend, is like, oh, Mrs. Dodson, she's gone Looney Tunes. And Heather's like, Angela, what are you doing? Like, Phew. And Angela calls it Alzheimer's disease. You know, of course, Wesley had no idea. So here's a great way to break the news to him. This is the first time that he's hearing that Mrs. Dodson Eunice has Alzheimer's. What are you talking about? <coughs> Do they all know? Hey, what's going on? You guys aren't telling me something. Wesley, <laughs> Mrs. Dodson has Alzheimer's disease. What's that? Well, it means she's kind of sick in the head, honey. It affects her thinking, her memory. That's why she thought you took her money, pal. Because she just forgot she gave it to you. Oh. So why didn't anybody tell me? Because Mrs. Dobson didn't want us to. I think maybe she just wants you to remember her the way she was. Well, that's stupid. And I'm going to go down and tell her so. Hey, uh, champ, I don't think that's such a good idea. Why not? Because you haven't seen her in a long time, and she's a lot different. Yeah, she probably wouldn't even recognize you. Oh, yeah? Nobody forgets Wesley T. Owens. So, yeah, they basically tell him that, well, even Heather says he may... More likely, she may not even remember you because Marcia does explain that Alzheimer's, because Wesley doesn't know what that is. She says it means, you know, a sickness in the head and how she loses, you know, you know, losing her memory and her, her critical thinking and everything like that. And even, um, I'm also called him Bob Euchre, <laughs> who plays George. He says, and that's why she thought you stole the $20 because she forgot that she gave it to you. And they, he, he, Wesley is determined, like, no, I'm going to go down there because nobody forgets Wesley T. Owens. And even they, I mean, they all knew that she had it. And the fact that Wesley is like, well, why didn't she tell me? And Mr. Belvedere says, well, because she didn't want you to know. And even Marcia says, maybe she wanted you to remember her for who she was. And even George says, you know, it's been quite a while. She's most likely going to be a lot different. All right, here comes Wesley, and yes, he is in for a big shock, because Grandma Eunice is, who he knew her as, is long gone now. Hey, there you are. I've been looking all over for you. 
Is that so? <laughs> I got your Christmas card, and everyone told me you were sick and wouldn't recognize me anymore. Is that so? It's okay if you forget stuff once in a while. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, yesterday I forgot my lunch. Actually, I didn't really forget it. Mr. Belvedere made me a sardine sandwich, and I just told him I forgot it. <laughs> Is that so? Yeah, she doesn't even recognize hey, him. Hey, what do you keep saying that for? Are you mad at me or something? It looks like rain. <laughs> yeah, the weatherman said it might rain tonight with thunder and lightning and everything. Do you remember when I was 15? No. <laughs> I had my first real date. His name was Cal. And uh, I wore that organdy dress, you know, the one with the beautiful hand stitching. Anyway, we were walking to the dance, and halfway down Sutton Street, it began to pour. My hair and my dress and everything just got soaked. But we had the best time anyway. Come on, I don't know about any of that stuff. I'm Wesley. This is 1986. Is that so? Wesley, I think we should go. <coughs> I'm not going anywhere until she remembers me. Wesley. Come on, it's me. We went to the movies and played miniature golf and had ice cream together. Remember this? Remember when I used to do this and you told me my face would freeze? <laughs> Buddy, she doesn't remember you, man. I'm sorry. All the fun we had, all our great times together. It's like it never happened, like we never knew each other. But you did, and that's what's important. Yeah, I guess so. Fly, <laughs> Grandma. It was nice having you, even for a little while. Wow, yeah, like I said, that was ex many months, we don't know how many months have passed, maybe two months, three months, what have you, but that accelerated, it seems like when it hits, it hits, and it's a fast progression, and he just, he can't believe it, and she keeps saying, is that so, she's got this look on her face, like, she is physically there, but mentally her mind is completely vacant and she starts recalling a memory because they're mentioning you know about the rain and she recalls this time that she had her first date with this guy she remembers the guy's name the dress she wore and how she got her dress and her hair was just soaked and Wesley's like no no I don't remember any of that stuff it's 1986 and he's just talking about how they went to the movies and miniature golf and all of this and he just he feels horrible because like it's like she and he keeps when she's going on about this he Wesley keeps looking behind over his shoulder at Mr. Belvedere like what's what's going on what's going on I don't understand this this isn't Grandma Eunice and he feels like all this stuff we did it's like it didn't even happen. Like, she doesn't even remember me. And it's like, yeah, buddy, that's what Alzheimer's is. So he even says, because Wesley gets angry. And Mr. Belvedere says, Wesley, I think we need to go.
Uh, I just, ah, uh, and you know, because he doesn't have a grandmother. You know, his grandmother passed probably when he was really young, or even before he was born. And he says it was nice to have a grandma, even if it was only for a little while. And it just it breaks my heart. It really, really does. But I wanted to showcase these scenes to see a very different kind of from, I mean, we still get, you know, a similar reaction with DJ where with Eddie, it seemed like he was stuck in his mind is going back in time to these certain moments that are like a, a picture that plays in their head of a, of, of a scene. And they're in that moment. And even Grandma Eunice mentions that too, like her mind will will just drift into like a, another time and she doesn't know where she is or what she's and that's the sad thing about the mind and everything like that it's just it just it's a very very complicated organ so many things i mean i mean you might be able to take pictures or show someone a video but if they can't recall or I swear I remember this one time when um, my grandma took me to visit my mom. And gosh, I had to have been like 13, 14 at the time. And they were showing a gra uh, my mom a photo album. And my, mo my mom just, my grandma would point to the page like, oh, do you know who this person is? Do you know that? And my mom would just shake her head like, no, I don't. So that is one variation we're dealing with, you know, the first in Full House we dealt with a teenager, you know, having a, a senior citizen friend that had Alzheimer's. Now we also dealt with a 9 or 10 year old that, the, you know, in a way this is a replacement grandma, the grandparent for him, and it seems like Wesley, Wesley takes, we only, with DJ she only went on one visit. And this was just little snippets of Eddie's memory loss. Here we do see an overall progression from slight forgetfulness. And she knows, Eunice knows, like, the doctors say it's Alzheimer's. She even says, I believe it's Alzheimer's. At least that's what the doctors are telling me. And she at least knows. And she severs ties with Wesley because she does not want him to see her get worse. And at least Mr. Belvedere and the rest of the family do honor those wishes of hers. The last thing she wants to do is break Wesley's heart. But oh my, when she just is like, well, I guess you were wrong. When he says, I thought you were my friend. I thought you liked me. She's like, well, I guess you were wrong. The next one, of course, I want to play is from The Golden Girls. It's a very, very, I'm just going to play a couple of clips from that. This episode is from season one of, or excuse me, season three, episode one of the Golden Girls, entitled Old Friends. This aired on September 19th, 1987. In this episode, Sophia befriends an elderly man who suffers from Alzheimer's disease. All right, so here's a scene where um, Elvin and Sophia meet on the beach. They're sitting on a bench. So this is their initial introduction. Sophia offers him a veal and pepper sandwich.
than the tangerine I got. gotta play this quick little clip. It's so funny. Uh, Sophia mentions that Elvin is buying her breakfast. <laughs> and of course we get a, a rose goofy moment here when she like Elvin like. <laughs> Sophia is talking about her husband, Salvador, and how he hates the beach. And Sophia asks Elvin about his wife, you know, Edna. And Elvin quickly changes the topic to the birds on the beach and stuff. Like, oh, they want you to feed them, but here they take care of themselves. And Sophia's a little confused. Like, well, no, wait a... I'm asking you about your dead... I'm asking you about your wife, and... You're talking about birds. And that's where Elvin gets confused for a second and he starts to he, he starts to break down. He he gets upset because he realizes like he can't remember his wife. And he, he, he does have Alzheimer's. So this is the forget forgetfulness part. He then the next scene I wanna play he um he gets irritated with Sophia because there's something that he he can't remember. He accuses her of sitting in his spot on the bench or something to that effect. But here's the part where he get, he can't remember his, his wife. Well, I mean, between the three, I mean, this is the first time we've seen a, a victim of Alzheimer's get emotional to the point where they are, they're crying because they can't remember. Can you imagine how sad that must feel? 
You have a lifetime of memories, and you're they're slip. It's like they're slipping through your fingers one by one. And no amount of pictures or video is going to bring back those moments. So in the next scene, we're back at the beach at the at the bench, and yeah, we do see Sophia sitting where Elvin normally sits, and. Elvin walks up and Sophia accusingly asks him, you know, you're late. You know what time it is? Would you take the wrong bus again? And Elvin gets irate. He's like, what do you think you're doing? You're sitting in my seat. And he goes off on her. He just, just it's like, oh, he gets so angry. It's like, so we're seeing very different variations of this disease where he's upset because he can't you know, to the point where he's crying because he can't remember his wife. And then we have the other version of him where he's just angry. Okay, well, with this next clip, I just, word of warning, there are a couple, we're, this is 100% a clean podcast. There are a couple, you know that Full House, I know, has used the word hell before. Um, and that is, in, you know, in this clip. When Sophia says, what the hell is the matter with you? And Elvin uses the word dumbass, referring to the bus driver going the wrong... In his mind, the bus driver went in the wrong direction. That's why he was late. But I just... I As much as I could try to eliminate it from the clip, I would love to. But it's just the clip is just so short and just with my editing and stuff. So just be forewarned. If you don't want your kids to hear that scene, you don't have to play the clip. Where have you been? You know what time it is? Nine o'clock. In your dreams. You take the wrong bus again? Never mind, you didn't miss anything. What do you think you're doing? I think I'm crocheting, but to tell you the God's honest truth, I wouldn't swear to it. This is my seat. You're sitting in my seat. Excuse me, I didn't know your 80-year-old buck was so sensitive. I sit in this seat every day. You got no right sitting in my seat. Relax. I'm moving. You are always doing this kind of thing. You're never thinking about anybody but yourself. What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I didn't take the wrong bus. That dumbass driver went the wrong way. A different way and you know it. Okay, in this next scene here, Elvin clearly does not remember the fight that he had with Sophia, the argument. and But she remembers, because when he comes up, he's got um, two drinks, you know, to offer one. And she asks him, am I sitting in the, in the right seat? She doesn't want to, you know, start another, you know, him screaming at her again. And he's like, well, that depends. <laughs> if you're waiting for the Jacksonville bus, you might be in trouble. And she's like, you know what I'm talking about. And the fact that she hasn't caught on that, you know, he has Alzheimer's. And he says, you know, I think at some half the time you don't know what you're talking about. Half those words, word, you speak in Italian. I think you, you make up half those words. So... He gives her a drink. He says, well, I, I'm i thirsty. I thought you might be too. And then this, the camera kind of pulls back, and we see Dorothy watching 
you know, Elvin and her mom. And then we see another lady who happens to be Elvin's daughter who explains to Dorothy what's going on with Elvin. Because I honestly feel like Sophia doesn't know that Elvin has Alzheimer's. She probably chalks it up like, oh, he had a bad day or he had a bad mood. I mean, you know, as you get old, you get, you know, set in your ways. And when your routine or something changes, you take it personally, you get overly irritated. I know I tend to be that way too, but, you know, I'm 39. I don't have an excuse. So, uh, yeah. Dorothy has to break the news to Sophia that Elvin has Alzheimer's, and this is sad.
I met his daughter down at the boardwalk. She said that when he first started wandering off, she followed him everywhere. She she took a leave of absence from her job so that she could take care of him. And she's not going to be able to afford that much longer. Uh, the family's discussed sending him to New York. Yep, he, he has a nephew who's a doctor there and can give him special care. And Ma Sandra says that within the next couple of months, they're going to have to do that. You know, Dorothy, people think if you live to be my age, you should be grateful just to be alive. <laughs> well, it's not how it works. You need a reason to get up in the morning. Sometimes even after you find one, life can turn right around and spit in your face. I'm sorry, Ma. She's sitting there by herself. Dorothy explains to her that um, 
Alvin is most like, you know, that his daughter had to take a leave of absence from work to be able to, to care for her father. And now it's like, he's gonna most likely have to go to New York because, um, his daughter's nephew, I guess, has a practice out there that specializes in Alzheimer's that can actually give him the, the help and care that he needs. And Sophia, who, you know, she had been crocheting and she says, because, um, Dorothy says, you know, in a couple months they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to make that move, make, help, you know, get him out to New York. And Sophia says, no, a couple months? She'll be able to finish the scarf by then. So, and then in the next scene, we see her sitting in the dark on that park bench, you know, waiting for Alvin. And Dorothy's there, you know, she says, I've been here a while. And... Sophia looks up at Dorothy and asks, he's not coming, is he? And Dorothy says, no, ma, he's not. And they get up and leave. And then some guy comes and sits down on Elvin's side of the bench. And Sophia says, hey, someone's sitting there. And the guy, like, hurries up and, like, gets up and leaves. Like, okay, okay, go. So that's the episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I just, I wanted for a long time covering this episode. I know... In my heart, I wanted to share these two clips of these two shows that center on Alzheimer's characters and how the main characters deal with having a friend that is suffering from the disease and the very different variations. Because in the first one, you had DJ, who's about 14, and she's volunteering. Same thing with Wesley, in a way, he was looking for a substitute grandmother. And how he reacts. And then, of course, you have Sophia, who's, you know, an elderly woman, which sometimes right around that time, you know, Alzheimer's can can take over a person's mind and stuff like that. So it's just different variations. I want to see the different stages of and how they were represented, the different behaviors as different stages of Alzheimer's. Some are accelerated, like... Eunice's and Mr. the Mr. Belvedere episode. Some are gradual just beginnings, like with Eddie and the Full House episode. And then you have Elvin from the Golden Girls episode and just seeing how he was kind of, seemed like he was in the, in the thick of it. And how, yeah, so, um... Oh, my goodness. It, it, it's, it's a sad, sad part of life that sometimes those we love suffer from this it is it's a debilitating disease and it just everything you've worked hard to achieve your memories everything you hold so dear and close to you when you can't even remember your own child or your spouse that you were married to for over 50 or 60 years all those memories and everything and just not just the memories but your identity and who you are is just stripped away from you and it's like leaving your mind a blank slate. That's why I say, God, you, you cherish the time that you have on this earth. You don't take a day for granted. You Whatever you can find, whatever reason you can find to get up in the morning... You hold it, you grasp it with both hands, and you just, and it's hard. It, honestly, it is hard to be positive 
not just in the world we live in today, but just sometimes in general, when you're having a really garbage day, it's hard. But there's got, just think of one thing, no matter how small it is, something good, whatever it is, and just use that and cling to it to be able to help you, like a life raft, just help cling to that good thought. And help it get you through the day. Or something. Honestly, I like things that you get to look forward to and stuff. Even maybe it's a few months in the future. But cling to those moments. Just, and just revel and just, you know, all of that stuff. Because like I said, you don't know how long you have. And you don't know how long your family members or your friends have. And just, what's that saying? Live in the moment. Live in the here and the now. You you live in the past. And, and in a way, if you keep living in the past and thinking of your regrets and your mistakes and everything, like, oh, if I'd done this or if I went here instead of here, this wouldn't happen. It's like, if you're living in the past, to me, you're not really living. You're wasting the time that you have. But then again, if you, like, keep looking down the road, like, in the future, this, and it, it, you're still, you're not living in the present moment. And it's just, you may one day forget some of these memories, but enjoy what you have while you have it. That's all I'm going to say. And I thank you all for enjoying this episode. Again, I'm sorry about the, you know, the clip that had a couple of swears in it. I do apologize. I did want to put a thing in there. I'll put that in the episode description as well. So that's up to you if you want your kids to listen to it or not. That's up to you. Just that little clip. That way I want to give you a heads up in case. So that being said, look forward to celebrating Dave Cooley's birthday on the 17th, even though his birthday's the 21st, because that week of the 21st we'll be doing the second Back to School Part 3 series episode, A Pinch for a Pinch. Have a great weekend, everybody. And if you'd like to email the podcast, you can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to show this, the podcast support, please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Search for the Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast. The All My Land and Holy Chalupas Podcast will pop up. Scroll down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. You can use emojis if you like or whatever you'd like to do. All five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourself. So everyone have have a wonderful day. And have a, I hope your September is going just as you wanted it to. And if it isn't, just, you know, as they say, just do your best to make the best of what you have. And know that if you're in a bad spot, that it's not forever. It's not forever. Sometimes there's just rough patches. We got to push through, ride it out, because you know around the corner something good is going to come along. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.